Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Joan Malkovich. And Malkovich, Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. Malkovich. It's me and John Malkovich. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how are you doing today? I'm sorry, Amy Malkovich. How are you doing today? Amy Joan Malkovich. Amy Joan. Yes, a flawless portmanteau. Malkovich. Joan Malkovich. <laughs> um, my allergies are slapping oh. me across the face today, but Jeff, other than that, <laughs> ow, 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 at you. Get out of your allergies. <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. Just tearing through boxes of Get Kleenex. those boxing gloves off, you joke allergies. Ay, ay, ay. But other than that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> How are how are you, Jeff? Well, I'm delighted to have you here. That's how. Oh I'm doing. gosh, thanks. Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm not having allergies, thankfully. It comes on and off and on again. Um, but I'm doing good. We had another film lined up for this week, but then we realized that the new Charlie Kaufman movie comes out on Netflix this Friday. I'm thinking of ending things, uh, which I'm super excited for. The trailer looks amazing. Awesome cast. You have uh, Jesse Buckley, Jesse Plemons, David Thewlis, Tony Collette. Um, and it's listed as a drama horror thriller, not a comedy at all. And I am really excited about that because before we watched this, I was like, oh, wow, Kaufman's quirkiness, but reframed in a horror. That sounds like really cool because Kaufman's never made a horror movie before. And then we rewatched <laughs> then we re-watched John Malkovich. Malkovich. And we're like, oh, despite having a ton of comedy in it, this movie is terrifying. <laughs> also, it's like a really a strength to the film. Because, I mean, clearly you have people like John Cusack who his character you just loathe more and more as the film goes. But everyone, really thinking about it, you're like, everyone is awful at different points of this film. It's a real real searing expose on humanity. (laughs) It is. But the fact that it still gets you to not look like even Catherine Keener, who like her character is does so many atrocious things. But at the end, like. I'm still happy for her and Cameron Diaz. I'm Team team Maxine. Wow, spoilers, Jeff. (laughs) Whoopsie tootsie. (laughs) Um, Team uh, uh, Lotzine. I don't know what their couple name would be. Matt. Matty. 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 (laughs) Come here, Matty. Nailed it. Um, Nailed it. Uh, Yeah, so Being John Malkovich is a fantasy comedy that came out on December 3rd, 1999, and was directed by Spike Jones and written, of course, by Charlie Kaufman. Amy Jo, what is your experience with Being John Malkovich? Had you seen it before? I had seen it many times. I haven't seen it in many years, but this is one that I owned on DVD, Mm. Um, so I'd watch it a lot in college and shortly thereafter, I want to say. So yeah, it's been... Ooh, probably it's been a minute. Probably at least ten years since I've seen this movie, oh, but that's a but lot of I, I it's a lot. <laughs> five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred times that by ten. Um, How do you measure being John Malkovich? In Malkovich. In acting. In, Malkovich. in, in anger. In people with in... awful hairdos. Am I wrong? I guess not. Well, I mean, in Malkovich's case, no hairdos. Well, that's true. I was referring to several other people. I, I really felt humbled by the hair in this film <laughs> because my hair is not what I would like it to look like right now. Uh, well, you've not been able to get a haircut for many months because no, of No, for low these many months. Lows so I felt yeah. really like uh, I was being read by uh, that, that puppet in that first scene. I was like, oh, gosh, yeah, this puppet. Oh, you went really... straight to the puppet's hair. 
I, well, I assumed we see either Cameron Diaz or John Cusack are the two with uh, the most. Uh... They're they're all struggling, and so am I. <laughs> so am I, Jeff. <laughs> well, you don't look it, is what I'll say. Thank you so much. As I dab Thank at my you. face with a Kleenex. <laughs> well, Thank the allergies. So the, al- the allergies are not affecting your hair. Your, I think your hair looks the very nice. Package, rode out like the this. Your hair is usually very very short. What I would what I would rather. <laughs> Well, fair enough. Um, and I've only seen this movie once before. I saw it once, and I like the time f- for me. Eternal Sunshine is the one that hit me at the right age, sure. where that was the one that I rewatched a bunch. And in college, we, would, we were all watching it and loved that movie. That's the one I've only seen one time. I saw that in oh, theaters, wild. and I liked it. But um, yeah, you know, this is one I think I bought for like nine dollars mm. at Virgin Megastore. Yeah, on oh. DVD. There was a sentence full of words that are now. <laughs> Archaic. Archaeologists will one day comb through this podcast mm. and try to make sense of tower how records. we used to live. <laughs> A tower of records. Um, but I actually also own this DVD. I bought this a decade ago doing a children's theater tour at a blockbuster that was going out of business in Kalamazoo. Wow. <laughs> Where I got this. I don't remember what else I got, but I remember one of the other movies I got when I eventually got back to the hotel, we'd already, you know, we were like in the car, moving on to the next town. But I checked it and the DVD didn't work. So I just never tried the others. So for all I know, being John Malkovich works, maybe it doesn't, but I own it, but I've never revisited it. Wow. Part of me thinking like, dang you, Kalamazoo blockbuster. Yet you still <laughs> you sold moved me a bad it through multiple residences. Um, yes, this is true. This is very true. And now, now, now I'm getting ready here. <laughs> Wait, do I not? Do I not need to be holding on to my DVD of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a film I have not watched since purchasing it in high school? I think when, you've answered after it your own out? question there. <laughs> Man, at some point, I, yeah, I gotta go through the DVDs I own. Because so many of them, I, I mean, I would always go into Blockbuster and... Oh, man, that was, to me, like, a winning lotto number is when Blockbuster would be, like, four movies for $20. Oh, yeah. And I, Those $5 DVDs in the I bargain would, bin? Exactly. And I'd be like, oh, this movie that I want. And this movie that I, I liked. And this movie that I heard good things about. And then uh, this movie, just so I have four. So now I own whatever nonsense that, like, I'm never in a million years going to watch. Uh, <laughs> the Cell. Right. I got Spy Game with Brad Pitt and Robert Redford, which mm. I've seen two-thirds of once. Oh, wow. Boring boring movie you got you got two handsome fellows in that movie and that's still one boring movie right there um but anyway the point being that i had only seen this movie once but loved it loved rewatching it uh it's so good so funny brings up like so many things that i think in 1999 you could easily gloss over mm-hmm. but, like so much about the sexuality about identity yeah. uh and i mean the movie lampshades it a bit right from the beginning once John Cusack goes into John Malkovich and Mm -hmm. is like, this raises so many questions about the human soul, about, like, am I me? Is Malkovich him? Um, Which is true, and it raises, like, so many weird, interesting ideas and goes into so many strange avenues. Well, there was at one point we were watching it, and I just exclaimed, his mind, you know? (laughs) Not Malkovich's brain. I mean, Charlie Kaufman's mind. Oh, sure, sure. How? How? You know, yeah. what a, I haven't got good words right now. Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm a yeah. little like, how do you, how do you do that? How's the old <laughs> noggin TikTok around like counterclockwise, I you know? I do not know. Um, but let's provide a little more context. Spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Being John Malkovich or haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. 
Craig Schwartz, an unemployed puppeteer in New York City, is convinced by his pet-obsessed wife Lottie to find a job until puppeteering comes back into fashion. Oh man, his little horny puppet show that he's doing on the oh street gosh. with this like priest and what was it like a priest and a nun or whatever? Yes. Um, it's probably only the seventh horniest act I've seen in Times Square. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get why this, like, there's, like, a little girl. It's like, Daddy, a puppet show. And then she, and he's like, all right, watch it for a bit. And then we got to go. And she's watching as, like, these puppets are grinding the air. And then the dad is like, you sick son of a... And punches out John Cusack. But, um, yeah, any given time going through Times Square pre-pandemic, uh, just the horniest weirdos. Oh, I, man. I try to avoid it. Although not during the pandemic, plenty of room to walk around. Oh, well, now, of course, of course. I, Man, I just remember, because I used to work in Times Square, having to hand out the flyers for Broadway shows, Broadway discounts. Uh, never never shows that were easy to sell. It was not, I, I, I never was selling like, here, you want to see Phantom? I was selling... Well, Phantom doesn't need to hire, you know, 20 something. Well, you would think Chicago doesn't either, but Chicago That's always true. has people, and that show's been running Roxy forever. Red tights. There's Roxy Red Tights. Skidoo. Skidoo. <laughs> Uh, but no, I was trying to sell the Tony Award-winning comedy, Clybourne Park. <laughs> now, for the listener unfamiliar with Clybourne Park, that... You're you're unfamiliar with it for a reason. It, it's a fine show, but nobody going through Times Square wanted to see this it's play. It's about, like, race relations. It jumps through time. It's not like... Not an easy sell no, you're when not, trying to hawk The logline isn't like, oh street. my gosh, it's Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane playing roommates. You know, that you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'd see that. It's like, no, it's a bunch of actors you've never heard of. I mean, I have. I, right, I'm right, familiar right. with the work of Frank Wood, but, you know, like your average person right. who thinks Times Square is a cool spot. Oh, man, the people, they couldn't walk away fast enough or be like, oh, it's a comedy. I'm like, oh, musical? It's like, no, straight co- Oh, okay, bye. Goodbye. Um, they're like, oh, uh, excuse, uh, where where is the park? It's like, not a, no. Um, no. Cool, 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 cool. Um, but my point being that I would see so many strange acts. My least favorite being... Um, because of the mainstay of the naked cowboy and the right. many naked cowboys that they have now, they're fine, whatever. They're, they've been there for decades, or the version of the, that the main guy anyway, conglom- yeah. mini conglomerate that he made. Um, but then there was the response to that, which was uh, naked Indian, which was a oh. somewhat somewhat strange looking gentleman. Uh, I, I don't want to be rude in terms of the description of him, but he was a gentleman that probably shouldn't have been going around wearing just a little speedo and a native american headdress banging on a drum and at least twice people had to tell him to like leave because he clearly had an erection (gasps) yep well i'm thrilled you had never told me that story (laughs) but unfortunately now it's in my head well i am sorry that that erection is in your head let me oh god um when i was in rome last year Mm -hmm. i was like wandering around after dinner one night and i there's this you know there's many a piazza it's Italy, and um, but but where they will will lit, where there are lights in these piazzas. Oh gosh, some of them. This one, no, no. It was. I mean, yeah, there were lights, but it was more mm. like moody, and it was a little darker, Ooh. and there were performances happening everywhere. But one of them was a woman operating a marionette puppet oh. who would paint pictures while you watched with the puppet. With the puppet, Whoa. so she'd take it and she'd like dip his little brush <gasps> into the like. It was incredible. She painted a little someone's face. That's and amazing. and then and then the puppet, the puppet 
shamed us all into tipping him. I mean, it, that seems like... It was great. That seems like if you're going to be a puppeteer in the street, the first thing you learn is how to shame people, use the puppet to shame people he'd into like, paying. He'd go over to like, like he'd finish painting oh, the, the portrait. I love and it. And then like, he'd go look at the little, little tip box and like tap it. And then like, she'd have him like wander over and look up at those of us in the circle until we each like dropped in like a couple euro. I was like, you know what? Respect. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, the puppeteering could so easily just be a joke in this film, but like the sequences oh, we see so good. is gorgeous. That opening sequence is like, which of course then it's funny when he re- does it As with Malkovich, using John yeah. Malkovich, but uh, re- really beautiful. That puppeteer is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I forget his name, but there, I, there is a video I have seen of him with one of his puppets. Um, as Li- well, this puppet of Liza Minnelli performing City Lights, complete with like a striptease from Grandma to like oh my Liza. Um, it's incredible, like full Java vibrato situation. That's great. Look it up. Look it up. Craig finds work as a file clerk for Dr. Lester on the seventh and a half floor of the Merton Flemmer building, which is just never gets old of seeing these poor act. I mean, I'm sure that was awful to film where you constantly hunched over. We're like, great. I'm going to be hunched over for hours and hours on end. But it, I got to tell you this, it sure looks funny. Yeah. And you know who introduces us to that? Octavia Spencer. Spencer. They they all they both got in the elevator. I was like, Baby Octavia. What? <laughs> what was it again? Octavia L. Spencer. Yes, going by then? I think yes. so. Yeah, she had that middle initial back then. Oh man. Um. Yes. Always. Always a delight seeing Octavia Spencer, just, especially just when grabbing it's grabbing that crowbar, being like, Spencer. I got oh, you. So good. Yeah. Just jamming it into the doors, being like, here you go. Which I love that you see like all the bumps and indents in this elevator for mm-hmm. for all the for, times that the they have to wrench it. people who don't even it. work on the floor still have to know how to open and close it. Right. it's just a quirk of the building. Oh, man. Uh, Craig soon develops an attraction to co-worker Maxine Lund, who does not return his affections. While filing, Craig discovers a small hidden door. He crawls through it into a tunnel and finds himself inside the mind of actor John Malkovich. After about 15 minutes, Craig is ejected, landing on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike. Of course. Of course. He tells Maxine about the door, and she realizes they can sell the experience for profit. I mean, also, I'm from New Jersey. I've driven the New Jersey Turnpike so many times, and mm, I don't know if that's the strangest thing I would have seen if I saw John Cusack fall <laughs> from the sky and land land on the side of the road. <laughs> There's some strange things on that NJ Turnpike, y'all. <laughs> Lottie enters the portal and becomes obsessed with being John Malkovich. That evening, her and Craig have dinner at Dr. Lester's home, where Lottie finds a room filled with Malkovich memorabilia. Interesting. Maxine arranges a date with Malkovich while he is inhabited by Lottie, who becomes smitten with Maxine. She reciprocates, but only when Lottie is inside Malkovich and manipulates the actor into having sex with her while Lottie is in his mind. Craig, forsaken by both women, locks Lottie in a cage at gunpoint and forces her to set up another date with Maxine. Her monkey's cage. Well, the monkey's cage, yes. Locked in a cage with the monkey Because they've got so many. She's rescuing all these animals. The main, most notable one being this chimpanzee, Elijah, um, that she's locked in the cage with. Uh, Another date with Maxine. There, he inhabits Malkovich instead and discovers that his puppeteering skills allow him some control over the actor. Disturbed by losing control of himself, Malkovich consults with his friend, Charlie Sheen, and suspicious of Maxine, follows her to the office where she and Craig charge customers for use of the portal. 200 clams, pop! 200 clams, step right up! 200 clams, get inside character actor John Malkovich's head! You'll love him from that Jewel Thief movie. (laughs) (laughs) Which... He, uh, he had never played it. He'd never done a Jewel Thief movie, but he would eventually play a Jewel Thief in one of those dumb Johnny English movies, those Rowan Atkinson oh, spy okay, films, okay, yeah. that he would finally play a Jewel Thief. That's hilarious. Um, which I, I love. I did, uh, 
I did write down at one point, I was like, why does no one recognize him from the Walking on Broken Glass music video? <laughs> Iconic. Or from Dangerous Liaisons. Well, or from sure, sure. But I so feel like things. a popular right. oh, music sure, sure, sure. video, you know, is easily digestible. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, they mainly referenced Jewel, the Jewel, where he played a Jewel Thief, which uh, he did not. And, and him in Of Mice and Men with Gary Sinise, where uh, yes. just like... Ridiculous. Uh, entering the portal, Malkovich finds himself in a world where everyone looks like him and says only Malkovich, 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 before he's objected. Also, could you imagine? Because you're in there 15 minutes, which I guess you have multiple people that can go in. So I wonder if you could send multiple people in at a time, potentially. They don't really get into that for this line yeah. of people. Or yeah. if it's like you got to wait until the next guy, you know, or maybe it's like a water slide. Like once you see you get him get to a certain point, then you can go in. Send you're not going to risk, you're not going to risk sliding into the yeah. next guy. But can you imagine waiting in that line? 15 minutes of pop. So if you're, if there's four people in front of you, you're waiting an hour. There are more than four people. So yeah, you're waiting multiple hours to get into John Malkovich. By the time you get in, you find yourself inside John Malkovich at the back of that line asking what the line is. Oh or you're gosh. like, I'm back in the line. I'm still in this dang line. Also, like, since it's so late, how are there that many people? When does he sleep? I know he's an actor. I know we have particular schedules. But, like, they always, like, they do it from, like, what, like, uh, eight to, like, two or something like that? Yeah, that's I forget a good the exact time. But well, John like, Malkovich, he seems like a night owl. He seems like someone that would be. Well, sure, but how do you guarantee thing. he's not like I'm taking a quick twenty minute nap and then someone's doing your bucks gone? I'm gonna assume it's like on the Truman Show where there's like the cutaway. There's like someone, some guy that's like, I, li I like to put it on when I sleep. Like I find it comforting. Maybe being oh. inside someone else while they're asleep. Maybe you're then getting John Malkovich's dreams on top of that. Ooh, and that's ex although based on when they we briefly see his subconscious, maybe his dreams are really sad and just a little boy being like, I'm a bad boy. Oh. I know. <laughs> Malkovich demands Craig stop use of the door, but Craig refuses. I will see you in court. <laughs> it's my head. It's my head. Uh, Lottie is freed by her pet chimpanzee. Oh, man. In a delicious this, sequence. <laughs> I loved it. I love it. He's just staring so intently at the ropes. And I said it loud. I was like, joking. I was just joking. I was like, what is this, being John Monkeyvich? And then it went into a flashback into Monkey Vision, but it's so similar to the Malkovich vision mm -hmm. that I was so confused for a second. I was like, wait, what? Wait. Huh? Wait, what? Is John Cusack now the monkey? Wait, is Malkovich the monkey? I was so... It was... No, it turns out just the monkey is the monkey. But God, what a great, ridiculous, absurd flashback of this, this monkey's parents being like tied up and being like, like, son, you must save me and your mother. And coming back to the present where he's like, not this, this time. <laughs> I love that bizarrely Cameron Diaz, Diaz has named him... His actual name that his mother named him. That's a good point. What are the odds? What are the odds? Cameron Diaz, she speaks chimpanzee. Apparently. Apparently, chimpanzee. Uh, and Lottie warns Maxine that Craig is the one that's inhabiting Malkovich, but Maxine is more attracted to Craig's ability to control the actor. Lottie confronts Dr. Lester, who reveals that he is Captain Merton. Having discovered the portal to a vessel body in the late 1800s, he erected the building to conceal it, which A, how... I was like, wait, so the portal was existing seven and a half stories off the ground, and then you shush, built a shush, building shush, around shush, that? Shush. Also, you could have done a little better job of hiding that portal. Maybe maybe put it in your own office, not in the office of your filing clerk. You think? I yeah. mean, come on. Can we talk for one brief second about how in the mm -hmm. introductory like orientation video <laughs> where they're explaining why it's the seventh what? and a yeah. half floor, the guy playing Captain oh. Merton is like... I'll build your place uh, that you can always be comfortable. Uh, yes, because he's be... falling in love with a... a, uh, a a woman of short stature of 
Yes. And so he he is like, where you shall be. And then he kneels. And then the kneeling, the actor brilliantly just, me wife. <laughs> like, it's so funny. I was just like, you know, if I got to play any part in this film, other than, I mean, Maxine, obviously. But I was like, but I would love to be one of the co-workers that's like Ugh. with the coffee cup walking down the right, hall telling right. all about this building because it's oh, just my. so silly it is especially as as you know as actors we, we've done or at least i've done some uh industrials that are not too dissimilar from that of being like mm-hmm. oh hi didn't see you there let's talk about this office space um and it's just like how okay great let's <laughs> let me try to imbue this with some stakes mm-hmm. and conflict an arc if possible (laughs) dr lester has obtained immortality by moving from one body to the next which becomes ripe on the host's 44th birthday allowing him to take possession should he enter the portal past midnight on that day he would instead be trapped in the next newborn vessel helpless inside the new host's mind they're like hey you yeah, you're watching the movie. Remember this for later. This is going to be important in, in like in half an hour. You're going to need to know it. You're going to need to remember this. Because um, I like they don't then reference it again. Like I, watching it, I assume, like they when they cut and they're like seven years later or eight years later, whatever it is, I was very surprised. I thought that you were going to see like another like little countdown sequence of, uh, well, we'll get into that in a sec. We're almost there at the end of the synopsis. Lester and a group of friends plan to occupy Malkovich once he turns 44 and Lottie warns them that Craig has taken control. Meanwhile, Craig discovers he is able to occupy Malkovich indefinitely, and over the next eight months, he makes Malkovich into a world-class puppeteer and marries Maxine, who becomes pregnant. He also manages to grow quite a lot of hair within hey. eight months. Um, he's quite an impressive... Uh, a core beard. A, a very core beard on top of Malkovich's head. <laughs> <laughs> on Malkovich's 44th birthday, Lester and Lottie call to demand that Craig leave Malkovich, threatening to kill Maxine, who they've kidnapped. But he hangs up on them, calling their bluff. In desperation, Lottie attempts to shoot Maxine, who escapes into the portal. She's pursued by Lottie through Malkovich's shame-ridden subconscious before they are both ejected. Maxine confesses that she kept her unborn child because it was conceived while Lottie was in Malkovich's mind, and the women cement their love for each other. Craig, believing Maxine is still in danger, leaves Malkovich's mind, allowing Lester and his friends to enter. Discovering that Maxine has discarded him for Lottie, a vengeful Craig re-enters the portal to take back Malkovich's mind, but the doorway has passed on, leaving him trapped in the mind of a newborn girl. Seven years later, Malkovich, now a hive mind, tells Charlie Sheen about their plan to extend their lives via the portal, which now leads to the mind of Emily, Maxine's daughter. I love that Malkovich is like, of who's going to go in this time, and it's like, Celeste, Floris, you, me, Gary Sinise, maybe. <laughs> Gary Sinise, maybe. Maybe. We'll see, Sinise. Play your cards right, Gare. Yeah. Uh, and Craig is permanently trapped inside Emily, forced to watch Lottie and Maxine live happily ever after. Look away. Look away. Look, look away. away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... Because I didn't, I, I forgot so much about this movie. I assumed that then you would see him racing to get back into the portal, and as soon as he gets in, as like you see like the ticking clock click like midnight as he goes into the portal. And the, mm. but instead, they just like they cut ahead, and you gotta remember. You're like, remember? That's why we had the whole book that showed like if you either go into Malkovich's mind or right. baby mind. Um, but that is what a fitting punishment to be no longer able to puppeteer. Uh, when that's your, all you wanted, you saw. Trapped forever. Because, like, 
he's trapped in her. But then when she turns 44, then all these other folks are going to go crowd in there and be controlling her. But like, that's why I was like, oh yeah, this is an, I mean, hey, this is a horror, an absolute horror film for John Malkovich. As soon as he gets his body back, he's like, I'm in control again. And then 80 people are just like, help, 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 excuse me, excuse me. Like a little Malkovich clown car. Beep, beep. Um, <laughs> real Floridian uh, clown car. Real retirement village inside his head there. Yes, it really is. It really is. Just Malkovich just watching reruns of Matlock. Diamonds' <laughs> murder. <laughs> uh, 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 the casting directors of Being John Malkovich were Justine Arteta and Kim Davis Wagner. After starting their careers casting a few small indie films, Arteta and Davis Wagner together in 1999 cast both Being John Malkovich and Never Been Kissed. And then they would go on to cast films including Charlie's Angels, Little Miss Sunshine, uh, and would both work with director Spike Jones again, casting Adaptation and Where the Wild Things Are. So some background on how this movie managed to get greenlit, because it's such, Tell me all about such it. a bananas film. Uh, so Charlie Kaufman, who wrote it, got his start writing for television, primarily short-lived comedies, including this Chris Elliott starring show called Get a Life, a Fox sketch comedy show called The Edge, which featured pre-friends Jennifer Aniston, Wayne Knight, and Alan Ruck, and probably most notably The Dana Carvey Show which featured writers and performers such as Steve Colbert and Steve Carell. Jeez. Um, and Kaufman also wrote, I love this, he wrote some pilot scripts of his own, but none of them were produced. These included two pilots for Disney, Depressed Roomies and Rambling Pants. Rambling Pants. The former, a surrealist take on the buddy sitcom, and the latter focused on the adventures of a time-traveling poet named Pants. Mm-hmm. And Dis- House of Mouse, you passed on that? <laughs> On depressed roomies. Just the idea of Disney having a show with the word depressed depressed on it. I know. Depressed roomies. I love it. I love it. Uh, So he wrote the script for being John Malkovich on spec in 1994, sending it to many companies and studios, all of which turned it down. The script eventually reached Francis Ford Coppola, who passed it on to his then son-in-law, Spike Jones. Fascinating. Who agreed to direct. And I'm going to put a... Yeah, there we go. I'm going to put a pin in that there because the rest of the story directly relates to John Malkovich's involvement. So we'll pick that you, back up. You think? So let's move on now to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all kind of subjective. And as always, I have looked up all the actors in advance and Amy Joe is hearing it for the very first time along with you. Just being a real fresh <laughs> clown over here. <laughs> A real Malkovich clown car over here. Hey. And maybe and we don't have a ton of other casting options for these, but this film it's such a tight, weird little machine that if you take any piece out, it changes a lot of things. So let's get into it. Starting off with Lottie Schwartz. Amy Joe Amy John Malkovich. Joan Malkovich. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Amy Joan Malkovich. Your yes. thoughts on Cameron Diaz and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Um, my note I have written here, uh, is unrecognizable. Uh, absolutely. And she's wonderful. So I think good. she's very like funny and charming and weird without like feeling like, wow, she's really stretching. She's not like trying at a thing. It's also such a good example of like what really good writing, yeah. solid direction and really excellent costume and makeup design can do it's for true. you. Cause then you're not, she's not having to act awkward. The yeah. hair just as an actor trying to keep hair like that out of your eyes yeah. is going to provide so much of the like experience of I mean you put those baggy sweaters on an actor yeah. and that's going to shift how the way you, you move. the way you move and i'm sure you know i feel like Cameron Diaz is one of those people who 
she's the, the kind of the, the kind of actor, and this goes for men and women, where you're like they're too pretty to take seriously, and like well, because it feels like such a left field choice for Cameron totally. Diaz in this role. Like if anything, like it feels like a, a normal studio would be like, oh, she could be Maxine, right? Because she's she's hot and she's like in right now, and she's yeah. a, she's a name. Um, but I, As I love to the fun of subverting it. Absolutely. Which I'm sure was a delight for her to get to do and for to be sure. able to stretch. Cause I think she, yeah, I think she knocks it out of the park. I think she's like, even though you then have her chasing Maxine with a gun dressed like the Joker with that purple blazer, <laughs> she's still the character who I am most like that I feel oh, for throughout yeah. the film. And, and I think it's cause she's, she leads so much of the heart and it really is like when she finally goes into Malkovich that first time of how you you see what a life changing experience it is yeah. for her, and I think she nails that. Aspect. It's also really when the film shifts from a writing perspective, mm-hmm. from being purely Craig's story, yes, to then she suddenly it's like you can feel her become activated. Yeah, and yeah. She gets more lines, and and they shoot her differently. You know. Yeah. It's just uh, it's it's I think a very exciting thing, and I'm. A little like sad for Cameron Diaz that she hasn't had opportunities to do more stuff. Or maybe she has, you know, I'm not her agent. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think she's wonderful in this. I I have a couple of thoughts of people that are around the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think like a similar-ish choice, a slightly more prestige actress choice in this way would be Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, interesting. I get what you're saying in terms you know of I mean? taking someone who's also known for being... Presenting a certain like glamorous. Hadn't she just won an Oscar too? For Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, it's like people are like, oh, she's an actor, but she's also like, yeah, she's like the poster child for Calvin Klein. You know, like there's a designer who was like, I I want you to yeah. wear all my stuff. And then another person who I think is a much more, uh, oh yeah, of course kind of fit. And that would be Tony Collette. I mean, of course. Yeah. We love that Tony. See, I when you said pres- pres- like the prestige version, I thought you were going to say Kate Winslet because that it feels like a very. I sure. see like the heart. I see like Kate Winslet. It's like, oh, please frizz my hair to the gods. Oh, for sure. Um, but of course, Tony as well. Love, yeah. Love that and then Tony. I had one thought for if it were made today because I just yeah. thought she looked so much um like her because I could really see like you see Cameron Diaz's face in a very mm-hmm. different way with that hair. And like, so yeah. this person is a very beautiful person who knows how to do her hair. But like, <laughs> I was like, oh, she'd be so charming and funny in this. And that's Annalie Ashford. Yes. Who, uh, those who have not seen her on the American stage might know her from Masters of Sex. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. She's had like a ton of small roles and a ton of things, but she's a brilliant comedian and also like heartbreaking. I just think she's sure. so funny and very much embraced the, the quirk and the weirdness of this, like it would fit Absolutely. her really well. That yeah, way. yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Other people that I could see uh, of that time, Sandra O. Oh, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we love that Sandra. Mm-hmm. We should um, do. I could see either then or still now Claire Danes. I think I could see a very similar it's, energy. I think that's also why I picked like Gwyneth is that they yeah. all have this kind of like cheekbone thing happening. That yeah. then like. Yeah, it's like, well, what does that look like with frizzy hair? Sure. <laughs> you know? uh, and the two people that I was like, if it was made today, that I w- were, that came to mind were Elizabeth Moss and Kristen Bell in terms of that, like... Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Moss particularly. Absolutely. I mean, that was the first person that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> Diaz is a makeup artist. Gucci Westman described styling Diaz in the role as a challenge to make <laughs> to make her look homely. The script included minimal physical descriptions of characters, and thus when Diaz took up the role, she did not know that people weren't going to recognize her. She did not know what she was getting into in terms of, like, this. How much she was going to be in the makeup chair. And, I, I, and it's not, I mean, not to belittle everything she brings to it, but it 
it does so much. The costuming yeah. and and the makeup and the hairstyling for her, especially her, John Cusack and Catherine Keener, does so much for storytelling. You see them and you get immediately who you, these people are. Yes, I would see that person on the street and like have ideas about them that are then borne out by the script. Yeah. You know? And well, and Cam- when Cameron Diaz was dressed up in character, she would talk to members of the crew and they thought she was a stranger. They didn't know who <gasps> she was. They were like, who's this random crazy lady Incredible. talking to me? Incredible. <laughs> Um, so let's get into it. Yeah, that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. Oh, yeah. Only, there's only one other option. So this is going to be Two Lies and Some Person. Gender <laughs> is dead. The way it works, one of the following actors was up for the role of Lottie, two were not. And Amy chose to guess which is which. Your options are... Liv Tyler. Interesting. Kate Blanchett. Fascinating. And Miranda Otto. That's right. It's the ladies of Lord of the Rings. Oh, this appeals to me. <laughs> I thought this it might. is like the opposite of when you McConaughey me all the time. <laughs> this is real nice. Well, I I know that Kate Blanchett is comparable in age she was like born like 1970 or something i this is how i do my research because i can't look up anything mm-hmm. about the movie so i just i'm like who's around the same age as the person to play the part <laughs> and so she i think was born like 1970 and tony collette's like 71 or 72 cameron diaz is 72 Liv tyler i want to say is much younger i want to say she was born like 1980 or something which i guess it's actually not that much younger but in hollywood terms she definitely was born before 1980 because she's in Armageddon, and she, which is like 96. That's so true, she's got to be at least 18 in that film. But she also was like the daughter of a famous person. So she was working uh, yeah. younger, you sure. know. Um, and Miranda Otto, who I I just don't think that is possible at this point in time that that an American film would be considering her. Um, I just don't think they, they would have. I'm going to go that the, the truth is Kate Blanchett. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Liv Tyler? No. No, it was Miranda Otto. Well, that's me told. (laughs) She was set to play Lottie, but lost out when Diaz, a bigger star, expressed interest. Oh, what a bummer. Right? The look on Jeff's face is like, oh, man, that that sucks. I know. I know. And you know, Miranda Otto, doing just fine. She She was just. I mean, it just got canceled, but she was on that uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina show. It's like her and Lucy Davis were the two unks. Um, which she's, that's a lovely She's on the first episode of uh, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. It's a real oh. nice going like, ah, well, if that isn't Miranda Otto. <laughs> um, but in 1999, the year being John Malkovich came out, Miranda Otto, instead of being in this film, was in a TV movie called The Jack Bull, starring none other than John Cusack. I was like, man, did you just... Uh, of the 1999 John Cusack projects... You got the you got the wrong one. Well, she tried know, to get the right sure one. She sure did. She sure did. And she would actually go on. I wonder if it was like because they felt bad or whatever. She would go on to co-star in Charlie Kaufman's next film. Not adaptation, unfortunately, but the less renowned and little seen Human Nature. Yes, with... this is Patricia Arquette is in this She one. sure is. Patricia I Arquette and Tim Robbins. I yeah. remember watching that with some of my college roommates wow. because we were going through a real Charlie Kaufman phase. Sure. Um, it's his one film I've not seen. So that... that's actually like when I was saying Miranda Otto, no way. Mm. And then you said, just was like, wait a minute. Was she in that like <laughs> monkey movie? She's in that monkey movie with the red siphons as that monkey man. Oh, well. Being John 
Monkey bitch. Um, it's seamless. <laughs> it works. It right. works. Which that's also directed by uh, Michelle Gondry, who would then do Eternal Sunshine as Boss <laughs> Mine. That was like the first, was, which I love. There's like Spike Jones on being Jim Malkovich, then Michelle Gondry, Human Nature. Spike Jones being adaptation, Michelle Gondry, Eternal Sunshine. Um, and then he's like, okay, I'm just going to direct these myself. <laughs> so like, now that I have enough of a foothold that people are like, I want to see those Charlie Kaufman things, now I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be an auteur. <laughs> an auteur. Um, but yeah, that, that stinks from Miranda Otto. She'd have oh. Lord of the Rings a few years later. And you she know what? Sure did. I'm sure even if she did nothing else, which clearly she has been doing just the residuals on two towers and return of the King are going to set you up. Let us hope. Let I must say, Jeff, that hope. was a very well done <laughs> trick. You really got me oh, good. Thanks, and thanks. it was, it was all about context. It was all about setting my expectation well, and then pulling the rug out from underneath. You me. know, knowing as Miranda Otto, I was like, I feel like. Any other two people I give you, Miranda Otto is like such like what, such what would make choice? you, you that's pick exactly right. Miranda Otto? So that's why I just made it Lord of the Rings, and I got you good. Got me good. <laughs> well, let's see if I can get you with this one. Let's okay. Move, let's move on to Charlie Sheen. What are your thoughts on Charlie Sheen as himself? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else to play themselves, not to play Charlie Sheen? Oh, okay. Although that'd be pretty funny to have Emilio Estevez playing hilarious. Charlie Sheen. Um, my what I wrote down next to Charlie Sheen was well, this tracks. Um. <laughs> Sure. I mean, he plays a slightly heightened version of himself. And I say slightly heightened. And I say that a a bit in quotation marks because I have seen the Tiger Blood interview. I know. I think it's pretty. I think it's actually pretty low key. Like he could be. Is he like high in the one scene with Malkovich? Where where Malkovich is trying to get get his advice. And he's kind of like, oh, man. Oh, she calls you Lottie. That's hot. Well, send her my way. Because he could have been like full blown, like doing rails off the table. Um, For sure. (laughs) I think they were going for something. Um that they thought was truer to life mm. than what they understood mm-hmm. to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that Tiger Blood interview is one of the weirdest and <laughs> most upsetting things yeah. that one can watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. this feels like, it feels like a heightened version until you know what's really lurking right. in the surface. Totally. I think the one person I wrote down was John Travolta. I don't know why. Ooh, I something, love it. Something about the also, like weird Scientology culty thing yeah. feels like it fits yeah. in, in you know that track in the films. I don't know. That's actually pretty funny for him to then not see anything i mean he would they would never but to have someone like that be like whoa that sounds more that sounds messed up man and i'm a scientologist (laughs) i'm in a cult (laughs) and i'm gonna make battlefield earth next year (laughs) um wacky and also i forgot that in honor of the moment in the film where sheena malkovich greet each other with machine malcatraz what would your nickname be for for travolta for travolta for travolta yeah, well, maybe kind of, yeah, like, uh, wow, I'm going to be really good at this. Uh, I- I'm going to go ahead and offer up one. I think it should just be, it's like, Malcatraz, greased lightning. <laughs> that, okay, that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, I could also say, like, well, because this is, like, kind of like Malcatron, but it's like Voltatron. Volt, Volt, oh, Voltron, yeah. Voltron. There you go, Voltron. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, See, what's fun is how random a choice Charlie Sheen is to be best friends with Gary John Malkovich. Sinise would make sense, but of he's course. better as a joke, you know? I agree. As like I agree. a reference. But I was like, I still would like it to be like Charlie Sheen, a completely bananas person to imagine being friends with John Malkovich, but also be someone who has acted with Malkovich before, mm. like Gary Sinise. So you could also ha- be like, I guess they became friends on that film. Um, so my picks, I would have liked either his Dangerous Liaisons co-star, Keanu Reeves, which I would like, uh-huh. Malcatraz, K-Dog. Um, I think it'd be very funny if Reeves went by K-Dog to his friends. 
<laughs> or who's to say or i think would be pretty delightful as malkovich's man in the iron mask co-star gerard depardieu <laughs> that feels like a perfect choice in, for this film in which case i would love if their uh, greeting was uh, malcatraz and gerardinay <laughs> shut up <laughs> I just threw my Kleenex down in protest. Oh, we all heard it. <laughs> that loud uh, gauntlet tissue that you threw on the ground. It really was to more of a visual punctuation. Um, I like Keanu because I feel like he'd be such a good sounding boy. Like John Malkovich would be freaking out and Keanu would just be like, wow, that sounds rough, John. And just be like so like taking it with like in stride. Yep. And instead would yep. be how it goes about being like, oh, people is in your mind. Huh. I once thought I had that. And then we'd trail <laughs> off and that'd be it. And Gerard Depardieu would just be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is lost in translation. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Charlie Sheen was in rehab when he heard about fledgling filmmaker Spike Jones's eagerness to cast him in this, his feature directorial debut. And Sheen accepted the role without initially reading the script, which oh. I love hearing that. I love, especially when That's you're like, great, but does he what think did it's you a think? Big part or... I don't know. I feel like if he was in rehab, he was like, just get me something. And maybe if by that yeah. point, and by that point, he probably already knew you had John Malkovich, you had John Cusack, Cameron yeah. Diaz. You're like, oh, this is a... This is a real movie. Yeah. By the end of the 90s, Charlie Sheen, because Charlie Sheen was like leading films early, mid 90s. Well, wasn't he also, wasn't Two and a Half Men a show that was like big at some point? It was, but that started much later. That Well, that was because he like, oh, you know what? At this time, no, no. I think he would, because he took over Spin City after Michael J. Fox left because okay. of, of his Parkinson's uh, progressing. Um, and so then he, that was like his first time. He was like, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to just go do TV now because his like film roles kind of dried up. So he did Spin City. And then I feel like not too long after he did Two and a Half Men and then was like, I'm, I'm going to make a butt ton of money here instead. Yeah. Um, but at that time, I'm sure it was like, I just need something. And this is a, a high profile, a weird film, but weird, still a high profile film. Big names. And, and I'm playing myself. Probably so worked for exist. three days. So Max, I'm sure it was like, yeah. great, you're going to pay me. Yeah. Give me like whatever. I don't know how much. But give me $50,000 for like two days work or what have you. I don't know. Probably got more. Again, I'm not his agent. I'm not his agent. We are not. We please. Please stop tweeting at the Twitter for a normal star that does not exist. Look. To ask us to pitch our client, Charlie Sheen, to, to give him your screenplay. We represent the man. I had nothing to do with the Tiger Blood interview. I know you've written your great spinoff, Being Charlie Sheen, but we have no way to get that into the right hands. We Please. sure don't. Our inboxes are full, people. Um, But let's go. Oh. That sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. My jaw <laughs> is dropped. Only, there's once again only one other option. So it is once again going to be Two Lies and Some Guy. One of the following actors was up for the role of themselves. Two were not. And Amy Joe's to guess, which is which. Hmm. Your options are Kevin Bacon. Uh-huh. Rob Lowe. Uh-huh. And Emilio Estevez. <laughs> uh, I think it was Kevin Bacon. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Great. Well, I love it when done. I every now and again get one right. And for Kevin Bacon, I would hope that in the script they would greet each other Malcatraz and either Baconator. Yeah, that was my first thought. Or just a la Home Alone, just... John Malkovich, no, oh, even better, even better. Not not shouting Kevin, but shouting Bacon, Malkatraz, Bacon. <laughs> Where's for me? Or you know, or it could be bacon and eggs, bacon and eggs, bacon a pie, 
Speaking of pie. Uh, um, which John Malkovich recommended Charlie Sheen for the part after Kevin Bacon turned it down, even though they were not f- close friends in real life, nor did they refer to each other as Machine and Malcatraz. <laughs> That's shocking. I, I am shook. I'm shook. Um, yeah, I mean, Charlie Sheen's fine. Kevin Bacon, I can totally... Totally it's say. like exactly the time. Also, like it's everyone knows similar. who Kevin Bacon is. Exactly. You, you need, what's so funny about having John Malkovich, and obviously we'll get into this more later, is that like part of the joke in the film is that he is both more and less famous in different ways than yeah. he really is, you know? Absolutely. And and Kevin Bacon and Charlie Sheen are both people that your average person will have seen in a movie. Yes. You know? So it's like, it's going to be like, oh, you're, it's, it's Kevin Bacon. Exactly. Exactly. I wonder if it was also just a joke on the, the six, six degrees, degrees of Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. which are like, oh, of course he's in this. Of course he's best friend John Malkovich because he's best friends with everybody because that's your six degrees. Uh-huh. Um, but speaking of John Malkovich, let's go ahead and move on. Right. Amy Jo, Joan Malkovich, your thoughts on John Malkovich? First of all, thank you for calling me by my full and proper name. <laughs> my pleasure. Um, well, it's John Malkovich, so it's a delight. Of course. I also just love that by casting an actor like John Malkovich... So much of the film is centered around, like, very serious acting. And an actor who is legitimately a very serious actor, but enjoying playing that up in a way that's not totally lampooning it, but is using it as a jumping off point for comedy. That's a great point, because he's done more comedies, like, in later years. He was in those red movies with bruce willis and helen mirren like yeah. action comedies but like at that time you're like oh yeah like stuff that he's done uh you know in the line of fire where he's trying to assassinate the president uh oh, of mice and, and men <laughs> burn this like things where you need someone who is very good at landing a, a comedic punchline mm-hmm. but someone who's not like i do comedies especially not a lot of physical comedy which it's so easy to forget because he's so good at it oh my gosh all the physical comedy that he's doing where you're like it's so easy for me to just my mind to go well that's just because john cusack is controlling his head and you're like no that's he is doing all that and then he's playing john cusack controlling john malkovich and then he's also playing the older man in that last scene yeah 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 yeah. mr lester Lester, as as dr Um, he's a doctor I'm sorry, Doctor. Is there a uh, doctor in the house? Doctor Lester. Um, it's just like so well done. And 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 frankly, like, yes, we'll we'll get into it, but like you you need an actor who is so good at acting that they can do all that subtle stuff and you don't yeah. even really notice it unless you're like a nerd, like, I don't know you or me. I also Oh now we're love- both getting red. I'm going to read us till <laughs> the dawn of time, dawn of time, and the dawn time, of time. The end the dawn of time. Of time time um, is a flat circle. <laughs> these days, more and more. Um, but that one that I really enjoyed, and this is just, of course, also me being a nerd, being like, hey, now. Well, first off, the first, like, real shot of him that's not, like, from inside his head is him sitting on his couch recording lines oh, from the cherry, the cherry orchard. orchard. I was like beautiful i but, love cherry orchard and richard the third are yeah, the two then, things we see like, him doing later he's rehearsing richard the third and like we were watching it the other night and i was like no hold on a minute <laughs> the line that he's doing from richard the third is from a soliloquy and the stage is littered with people i was like richard isn't talking to other people unless we're doing a really avant-garde production that could just be the concept. was ever woman in this humor wooed was, was ever, ever woman, woman in, in this, this humor, humor one? one i mean he could be a he could be there's people he could be talking to but they're not on stage the point is that he's yeah. courting the audience and i was like did malkovich bring this up when they were on set I'm, you know? he could have he could have i was a little more 
bothered by because then Maxine shows up to be like, let's right. let's go hook up. And he's like, whatever. I think he's like either like, OK, give me give me give me five or like let's. And the doctor's like, oh, let's take 15. And then is like, all right. Good night, everybody. And I'm like, wait, yes. are they on 15 or are they done for the day? Uh, like, are we talking like the director is not going to have a production meeting with like. Also, that's just like the third scene of the play like were they just rehearsing that scene were they doing a run through if so they didn't get very far they did not get it could be the tech I don't know who's to was say was he in costume I don't think they, he, he, was, he was he was kind like of in half costume, costume. They they were, it wasn't like yeah. rehearsal clothes we call right. that in the biz <laughs> but I love that the, yeah what we see of him is clearly working on theater pieces not on yes. film he's not which is I guess you know reading whatever then you have to write like a fake script or have like a uh, you want a scene on a on like the set of some yeah it's whatever. i will say also cherry orchard and richard the third are both in public domain Ooh, which means you're not having to deal with like call. he's not playing mm-hmm. you know shannon in night of the iguana and having to deal with the williams estate the shakespeare estate this is, is just we're, england we're not seeing him uh, rehearse to play uh bobby in the new revival of sondheim's company on broadway i am i am ner- furrowing my brow because I'm not not into it. I mean, I don't think the man can sing, um, but I'm intrigued. That's me celebrating my 35th birthday. How can I possibly settle down when I'm dating all these attractive ladies? It is also funny because it's, you know, clearly him turning 44 is like right, part of, of the, the deal. Exactly. And then you're also doing a commentary on... The ageism. Show me a 35-year-old who gets to play Bobby on Broadway. Like, it's just not going to happen. You need to be more established until you're older. And then people who are actually 35 have to wait 15 years to play the same age. You're out of luck. Not bitter. I know. You you can't do it at 35. You got to wait. And that's why the new revival is Michael Caine as Bobby and Company. <laughs> that's me celebrating my 35th birthday. It legit was on Broadway when the <laughs> pandemic hit with Kat- Katrina Lank, who is like 42, 42, I think, you know. Um, Well, sure. But, well, well, you know, it, it took her until 42 to be able to master Bobby. And with Michael Caine, it took him until, uh, you know, his early 80s to master Bobby. You know, he had a lot to learn, that Pl- Michael Caine. Please, call me Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm too old to be free to be calling me Bobby. Uh, Steve, Steve, sometime, uh, please rewrite his lyrics. Don't call me Bobby, baby. Don't do it. Call me Robert. Call me Robert. Um. Also, watching this, I want to see someone re-edit this film so it starts from Malkovich's perspective. Ooh. That it starts, it, it opens with him doing the cherry orchard. And it's him getting the call from some woman and be like, who is this? And like, okay. And starting an affair with this rando woman. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm John Malkovich. And then she's calling him Lottie. And you're like, okay, I'm, in, I'm with this kind of like uh, eccentric woman. And then he's like slowly losing. He's like getting Control, taken over. Yeah. And then go to Charlie Sheen and be like, I don't know what's going on. And then half an hour into your film, he follows Catherine Keener to the building into the portal and then goes into his own mind. And then you, that's what like is the inciting incident. And you're like, what, what I think. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes it's clearly this is the more uh, reasonable way to structure your film the way it is, um, because it's such an out there concept. You kind of need to like you, have you can't to butts, in something. you no. can't fuss with the time or the whatever no, or like or you, you, need, you need confusing. to show the cards as they go. So you can't be like, you know, there's really no inkling in the first half hour of the film that this is going to be a film about someone being inside the head of John Malkovich. Right. Until he goes into that tunnel and it happens. Right. Because you don't. Yeah, you don't. You, you It's not till then. 
after Cameron Diaz goes in that you even see that Dr. Lester has all the memorabilia. Because until right, then, you're like, like some kind of, it's just like a random just, happenstance. Right. And, and this actor playing Dr. Lester, you're like, oh, he's just like this funny, like horny old dude. You're like not until you see that and you're like, oh, okay, something else is up. There's there's something we need to flag for later. Mm-hmm. It, it is funny because like as an actor, if you're John Malkovich playing John Malkovich in this situation. Malkovich, Malkovich. Exactly. Then like that's essentially what you do. You, you know, you have to go like. J- John Horatio Malkovich. John Horatio <laughs> Malkovich. That's what I mean about taking the actor thing and being like, how do I make it slightly more serious? Mm. Um, but it's, it's also like that's what you as an actor have to do is be like what do I actually know in this exact moment? And be crystal clear on that when you are the character who is not progressing through things, learning things in the same, at the same rate that the other characters in the movie are learning. When so much of is happening to him. Like it's really what he, he decides to follow Maxine and Catherine Keener, that one moment. But other than that, like so much of it, that bright blue uh, hat that just feel like it makes him more conspicuous. What was it? I, it It wasn't, I heart New York. It It was, was, I, um, was it an apple? It was, uh, yes, it was I Apple New York, which just, I'm sure was an actual thing, but is like. Oh, yeah, because it's like the of course. Big Apple. I'm just so used to seeing the I Heart New York. Totally. But the Big Apple is funnier to me and so funny that that's his disguise. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's so, such a great choice um, to base your movie around. It's also a quirky name. Yeah. And well, John Malkovich, <laughs> da 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 da. It's like very satisfying rhythmically. It makes for a good title. And then if you're going to have a whole scene where you're just saying the guy's name, if his last name is Smith, mm-hmm. you're still going to get a level of absurd of that thing where you say your name in the mirror too many times. Yeah. You're like, is this meaning? <laughs> um, well, Charlie Kaufman said that there was never another actor in Malkovich's place in the script. Quote, the screenplay was always being John Malkovich, even before I had any expectation that John Malkovich would even read the script. He chose Malkovich because he believed there to be an enigmatic quality about him that works, though Malkovich was partly chosen because of the sound of his name in repetition. And Kaufman explained that when we were thinking of alternatives, we found that a lot of them just weren't fun to say. No. Which I think is true. It's so true. But there's also like any, you know, what? there's so many ways that you can go with this. Whether it's like you pick someone who is known for physical comedy. So that what being Steve Martin, whatever. So then, of course, then you're going being wild. Being Jim Carrey. Be, exa- oh, being yeah. Jim Carrey. Forget about it. Which then is also then you could spoof of how his normal persona is actually so much more. Because Jim Carrey yes. said, speaking of Charlie Kaufman, Jim Carrey said that he's actually, of his characters, he's closest to his character in, in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. In terms of being so reserved and like so awkward and uncomfortable and introverted. Are. Of course. But that could have been like a cool thing to explore totally. that. And then also that he's able to still utilize that, uh, the physical comedy that he, yeah. of course, is a genius of. Um, or, you know, there's so many different ways you could go with this. Because I was also, and, and of course, I want to get your thoughts if you had to thoughts. cast someone else. And once again, similar to uh, Machine, what would your nickname be for? Uh, oh, geez, oh, geez. And Malkatras, what would your nickname be for your Malkovich Piak? Oh, do you want them now? I- I'd love to hear them now if you okay. don't mind. I don't mind at all. First of all, before I tell you some other people I think would have been interesting, here is something I think you will find interesting that I'm sure some oh, of the other listeners might enjoy. Uh-huh. So I was doing my thing where I was like... Actors, bo- like, so Malkovich was born in 1953. Great. So I was like, actors, I'll usually do within yeah. like a five to, you know, ten year sure. radius, like looking for people who are around the same, are around the same age. And so I was tooling about and I found that according to IMDB, and I didn't know we knew this person's age until this person popped up, you know, they're ranked in order of star-o-meter. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Tommy Wiseau was born in 1955 <laughs> in Poland. 
this is information I didn't know we knew, and I don't know how accurate it is, but yeah, I IMDb t- was Tommy, telling me Tommy these Tommy Wiseau things. of the best worst movie ever made, The Room, the room. subject of The Disaster Artist. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think in like a year or two ago, that did come out of like where he actually... Came, was well, born. I was missed born in Port, this in, uh, news bulletin, but I was uh, like, yeah. um, I literally. So, wrote, so you um, would want ellipses. them to go into the mind of Tommy Wiseau? No, no, oh, I oh, want oh. no part of that. Well, <laughs> but it shocked me that we had this information available to us on the internet mm. where for so many years he was pure enigma. Pure enigma, pure mystery. Um. Anyway, okay, so yeah, I looked at people who were around, around the age. And of course, like this just changes everything, no matter who yeah. you put into it. But I was like, who are people that would be entertaining to see like play versions of themselves? Yeah. Um. So one person that came to mind, one person that came to mind was Peter Gallagher, because he's he's around the same age. Gallagher. Just, Gallagher, 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 Gallagher. He's just also got those like. Think of that awful, awful, Gal- actual Gallagher, the watermelon smashing uh, racist. Um. Are you not familiar with Gallagher? Have you ever seen that where his whole comedic bit shtick is that he's just smashing watermelons? Oh, with a but mallet? not Peter Gallagher. No, but his name is Gallagher. So, oh, so I to have, have heard of this a scene of people going Gallagher, 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 Gallagher. Yeah, but it's all Peter Gallagher. Well, da da I'm just saying that it makes me think so many eyebrows. You know, if your name is whatever Peter Madonna, if you just start saying Madonna, Madonna, I'm gonna start thinking of Madonna. That's I suppose that's fair, but I think if madonna was saying it it's different than old peter madonna our favorite friend um another person i thought this would be i mean it'd be very different because mm-hmm. he presents very differently uh but tony shalhoub oh shalhoub because he's also such a yeah. weirdo in a similar yeah. way also like the guy went to yale <laughs> he's like a very celebrated actor yeah if it was made like 10 years later if it was 2009 yeah, no, he, 99, wasn't, he was like in galaxy yeah. quest you know and it galaxy was like, quest this men guy? in black he, I mean, he was in stuff like, like big night um like he's in things but he's nowhere near he's like that guy exactly at that point. yeah it, that's why i what i love about john malkovich he's, he's like right down the line just famous where enough. He, yes he wasn't an a-lister in any but he wasn't an unknown now uh, yeah part of our earlier conversation made me think of this person as being like oh this is exactly if you're going for self-serious actor yeah daniel day lewis oh my god that would be amazing that's exactly being like even daniel more Day-Lewis. extreme than than malkovich because we know so much yeah. about his like sure. level of preparation and the fact the man learned to cobble shoes yeah for fun I know. What would be hilarious if then, like, their version of Daniel Day-Lewis was actually, like, a big fraud. Like, he, they, they, you cut to him, and he's just, like, eating junk food, watching, like, reality <laughs> TV. And he's actually, like, he's not. Because totally. isn't he, like, Irish in real life? Or, yes. Or, yes. So he's actually, like, he's, I, he's like, yeah, that's me, Daniel Day-Lewis from Chicago. I just pretend I'm from Ireland. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's me, Daniel Day. Hey, hey, I, yeah. I, use, I use my uh, Oscar from my left foot as a doorstop. That's how little respect I got for the craft for the and the institution profession. of Hollywood. I, that's why I went to be a cobbler. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I love it. I love it. Um, but, what, do, would you have any nicknames for uh, ooh. Danny Day or Shaloub? Oh, gosh. I mean, Danny Day is like kind of what I, 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 at least friends of mine is like, oh, old Danny Day. Yeah, I mean, Day uh, yeah, what would I like if I were like buddy buddy with right. the guy and assuming he was cool? I don't know, never <laughs> met the man, but I'd be like, DDL! Maybe he just goes by Lou. Lou. <laughs> like one of the most prestige prestige actors of all time. Please, You're like, hey, please, call me Lou. Yeah, Danny D. Well, it's like Robert De Niro. It's like his friends call him Bobby. It's like, hey, yeah, it's me, but, Bobby. But Robert De Niro is also like 
like from Brooklyn, maybe, or uh, something like yeah. that, you know, where like Daniel Day-Lewis is like, I'm Irish and I went to go live in Italy to become a cobbler from the finest shoe leather people. Oh, do oh, we're we're visiting. Uh, you know, we're going on vacation in Italy. I, my shoes are falling apart. Like, oh, oh, here, here, Lou's cobbler, Lou's cobbling. It's a me, Let's Lou. It it's a me, a Lou. And then it's a Lou. Is, um, maybe Shalub, like, and granted, this it, again would not work in 1999. But maybe yeah. people just call him Monk. I bet call he him loves. Monk. That. I bet he does. Or well, well, I mean, actually, what he's I forgot about his other big the show, TV show that he had done then was Wings. So you just call him Wings. Was he the Wings? I don't think he was the wings because it took place at an airport. So I assume the wings referred to the pilots wearing (laughs) wings on their shirts. Um, Yeah, he was some. I I mean, I've never watched a moment of wings, but he's I don't know. He's like some wings. And I think the very depressing Arthur Cope at play. uh, No, this is a sitcom about it was like a one Mm. airplane airport. So it's like Mm. a super tiny airport that was like Stephen Weber and Thomas Hayden Church, I want to say. And uh, Tony Shalhoub uh, um, that ran for like 100 Something else. Thinking about like Tony Shalhoub being a that guy in the 90s who would become Tony Shalhoub yeah. reminds me also of someone else who'd be, again, completely different. But like Paul Giamatti. Like, oh, sh- that'd oh, be a very Giamatti. interesting person. Ah. Giamatti, Giamatti, Giamatti. Ah, I got some kind of puppeteer in my head. Get him out. Get him out. Yeah, I feel like of at this time, like Giamatti, Steve Buscemi, in terms of oh, a similar ish. Yes, he's the most vibe. famous person that would. And he also is such a singular looking person, like John Malkovich. Really, yeah. that is clearly John Malkovich. I'm not going to mistake him. Totally. I'm not having a Chris Pine, yeah. some other Chris situation. <laughs> One of those handsome Chris's. I'm not having a handsome Chris confusion here. <laughs> I'm having a like, that is Paul Giamatti. That is Tony Shalhoub. That, that is, is John Shemmy. Malkovich. I am that not going to mistake Buscemi. them for anyone Steve else. Steve Buscemi is like, that's who yeah. that is. I know. Um, so for me, what it came down to, because I love Malkovich once he starts playing Craig, once John mm. Cusack like takes him over and he's like, now is just like, oh, Maxine, like I thought. And you're like, oh, now he's this awful, like disgusting uh, guy. Yeah. Um, but then he becomes this master puppeteer. And and like who, so I was thinking of like, if an actor were to give up his career and be a puppeteer, I was like, I either want it to be someone that you would be like, well, that makes sense or the opposite. So I wanted it to be being Nicolas Cage, Uh, but you could so see, so see like, oh, I'm going to give up this all acting thing. I I do puppets now. Um, Or in the opposite, and also in which case it would be Malcatraz, cage match. Um, Match, cage master. Or... I think would be really Tom Hanks. Oh, fascinating. Because also so much, but also so much of the movie is that he's having this affair with Maxine. So you also have, you'd have to either have that he's not married to Rita Wilson or this version of Tom Hanks would be like a super awful D-bag cheating on Rita Wilson with this random woman. Our beloved Rita Wilson. I know, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind playing with his image. He's got a sense of humor. And also then it would be Malcatraz. Hanksgiving. Hanksgiving. <laughs> he is the Hanks that keeps on giving. He sure is. But I think that could be when, really cool. When like news of COVID first broke and Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson both got it in Australia and Ugh. everyone is like tweeting and, and Instagramming about like a Tom Hanks and his wife. Yeah. The number of young 20-somethings I had to say, you mean Rita <laughs> Wilson was a lot. Rita Wilson and her husband came down with COVID. Who's um, that? I know, I know. I was also like, in terms of funny last names, Stanley Tucci. Oh, the Tucci. Tucci, Tucci. Tucci. I was oh, trying he to would think be of... great too because he's someone who can ride that line of very serious and yeah. very funny. And I mean, that's someone that you really buy. Like, oh, I'm going to start an affair with this woman that I know nothing about. Yes, <laughs> but it calls absolutely. me Lottie. 
<laughs> this um, seems like a good I, idea. He was the one I had the hardest time coming up with a nickname for, and the best I could come up with would be like Malcatraz and going Tucci Tucci too. <laughs> Which is awful, but I could see it. Yeah, I'm trying to come up with something, and I'm just or like, just I mean just the Tooch. Well, the Tooch is of the course. classic, of the course. classic, the, the classic. Tooch, the classic. Tuchapalooza. Tuchapalooza. There we go. Love it. You're welcome, Stan. Print. Cut. Print. So, this is how Malkovich got involved with this movie. With being John Malkovich. With being John Malkovich. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, as we said, was Mike Jones's father-in-law. Some guy people have heard of occasionally. Maybe you've heard of him. He directed a little movie called... Godfather Part 3. The Rainmaker. <laughs> a little movie called Jack. <laughs> Oh, humor. Ha 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 Oh, and I suppose he also directed The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2, The Good Apocalypse Parts. Apocalypse Now. He also directed Part 3, but... Uh, I know, but he also directed The Good the Parts. Good parts. <laughs> well, I thought, yes, of course, of course. Um, the Good Father. The right? Good Father. Um, <laughs> the Bad Father, Part 3. <laughs> um, so, but with because of Francis Ford Coppola, Spike Jones was able to contact Malkovich and his representatives. And while pitching the story... To first to the representatives before they could get to Malkovich. For sure. Charlie Kaufman was informed by them that, much to his surprise, Malkovich lived at the time in a Manhattan apartment numbered seven and a half. No! So they gave him the impression of feeling him out and, and he was like, I think they thought I was a stalker because like how you have the script where you also oh, have the seven no. and a half floor and he lives. How like, how do you know his address? I know. But then they eventually realized like, oh no, this is just a ridiculous coincidence. Um, so eventually... Spike Jones flew with producer Sandy Stern to Malkovich's home in France, which lends credence that he, his best friend could be Gerard Depardieu. Hey, you um, really thought this through. I actually didn't think about that until this moment. <laughs> um, but Sandy Stern said that Malkovich was half intrigued and half horrified when he first read it and wondered if he had somehow wronged Kaufman in the past. <laughs> what did I do to this person? Um, I love that because it is like, I think... I'm flattered. And yet, everything that goes, that happens to, quote unquote, know, me in this film seems dreadful. He, I watched some interview, I forget what the movie was, but he was doing a movie that he said was like not very good. And he'd like, well, I, I read all my books that I brought with me. Um, So my, I was like, do you have any other scripts? Like, as I was talking to my agent and the agent was like, oh, do I? And sent him that. And so he read, he like, he's like, I saw the title, but then I, I kind of forgot about it. You know, sometimes, sometimes you'll be referenced in a book or an, an article by sure. name. So he forgot about it. Because the first 30 pages, there's no John Malkovich. Not a reference. He doesn't come in until like page, he's like page 40. Um, so he read it and he's like, his age called his agent. He's like, have you read this? He's like, I did. He's like, this is fantastic. Keep reading. Um, <laughs> so he, then he read the whole thing and it's like, you know, it helps though, as the actor you're trying to court, when you read like 30 to 40 great pages yeah. of stuff, you're like, oh, this is really well written. This is so smart. This is so funny. Before you even have to worry about like, Whoa, oh, now this is about I me. Yeah. Cause you at least are like, well, at least I know this is a good script and I'm not clouded by. Yeah. You're not also like aspect. thinking about like. I'd have to say this as a version of me. What When we were watching, what was it, like 28 minutes when we first get into Malkovich? I, I think, think it was, was like exactly, almost exactly 30. Yeah. It was like it just was, past was the 30 one, minute yeah, mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the like. The first time you see him like at, eating toast and like at the mirror adjusting yeah. his tie. Well, the most mundane the things. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and Malkovich said he loved the script, but he and his production crew felt that another actor would fit the role better. And he offered to help produce the film and aid Spike Jones in any way, but refused to be in it. Oof. I know. And he said this, quote, Either the movie's a bomb, and it's got not only my name above the title, but my name in the title, so I'm that way, or it does well, and I'm just forever associated with this character. 
which I get, but Malkovich, this is 99. You worried what this movie would do to your career? You were coming <gasps> off a of con air, buddy. You were coming off of the Cyrus the Virus. Cyrus the Virus. Um, and it took a couple of years, but Malkovich's will was worn down and he agreed to star. But he, he a said- A couple of years. I know. Well, it also takes, you know, takes time to get these movies oh, made. Oh, it but... does? <laughs> well, that was, because I think, uh, whatever we said, 96, I think Spike Jones got the script. So it was like between oh, like okay. 96 to 97 and like 98 when they clearly then filmed. Um, but Malkovich said that he approached the character of John Horatio Malkovich as he would any other fictional role. And that the only thing about his real life that was reflected in the film is his wardrobe. <laughs> Amazing. So he has that hat with the apple is what we're saying. I would hope so. <laughs> Spike, I was thinking I could wear my favorite hat. It's my best disguise. I apple New York. It's a reference to the famous painting of man with apple. It's a real Magritte, but also it's pop art. (laughs) I also happen to apple New York. I love to apple my home, the big apple. Except when I'm in my home in France, hanging out with my best friend, Gerard Denet. Depardieu. Gerard Denet in the big Paris, Ugh. which is not a fruit. In gay Paris. Uh, and also Malkovich is the one that encouraged Kaufman and Jones to heighten the satire with him. I think it helps too. Because it, it then just, it helps the actor also yeah. be more comfortable being like, I'm going to be less likely to be perceived as like it being more like me yeah. if it's a little more heightened. Exactly. I think it that's why they added. a little more distance. I think that's why they added specifically the parts of like the fans being like, oh, aren't you John Malkovich? Oh, I love you in that Ju- the Jewel Thief movie. Yeah, or like, that. And even like having the middle name be Horatio. Oh, you know? oh, absolutely. And not like what, I don't know what his middle name is. Yeah. And I mean, maybe the original script did have him doing more on a film set or whatever. And it's like, no, no, have it be like very, like I'm, I'm more pretentious. More pretentious. Like I'm recording my lines to the cherry orchard. And now I'm, I'm not just like, oh, I'm on break at a film set. I'm like, re- rehearsal is now for Richard the third is now Kansas, which also John Malkovich, Richard the third. I want to see that. He'd be good. He'd be good. He's good at acting. He'd be a good old Dickie the third. Dickie toi. But yeah, he said, turn it up. Who better to make fun of yourself, your impotence, your vanity, your ridiculousness, and say it's okay? I am ridiculous. I mean, I'm a celebrity. It's sort of like human sacrifice to offer yourself up as a subject of ridicule and scorn to make a point about the society we live in, which has this celebrity obsession. Because this is also pre-extras, you know, pre-something like that, where like a lot of people were like, ooh, ooh, let me do me. Totally. You know? and I of mean, course, you that's... had that, but it was still not as like, today it feels like so much more, especially with like YouTube. It's so easy for people to be like, yeah. let me record this like fake thing. And it's like me pretending I'm like a big diva yeah, exactly. and we're all on the joke. Um, You know, I guess they're not, they're not playing themselves, but even like something like Tropic Thunder where it's like spoofing actors. And like, I guess you've got some like, a few playing themselves like in the award show at the end, but it's like still yeah. like, it's still like we all know you're what you're, where you're mocking like Hollywood, you're mocking like yourselves. Yeah. Now, let me just yeah take that pin back out and rewind a bit. Oh, I remember when we pinned something. <laughs> I don't remember what we pinned, but I remember it happened. So Spike Jones first read the script in 96 and had agreed to direct the film by 97. Jones took the script to Propaganda Films, which agreed to produce the film in partnership with production company Single Cell Pictures. Single Cell producers Michael Stipe and Sandy Stern pitched the film to numerous studios, including... New Line Cinema, who dropped the project after chairman Robert Shea asked, why the f*** can't it be being... 
Oh. Oh. That sound means it is time to play a final round oh, of no way. Two Lies and Some Guy. Robert Shea wanted one of the following actors to play themselves. Okay. And Amy, just to guess who it is. Your options are being Tom Cruise, being Brad Pitt, or being Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I think huh. any of them are plausible is the problem mm -hmm. because all of them are stupid choices. Or being Angela Lansbury. No, we're talking. <laughs> She's just like, me, 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 me. Taylor's all this time. Yes, that's right. I have a concert tonight. I'm Angela What was she doing in 1999? A murder she wrote film? Possibly. Probably. She, she did one in like 01. So it could, who's just like, memorizing the lines. All right. I'm stalling because I, I don't want to know the answer, but I'm going to go with Brad Pitt. I'm so sorry. Tom Cruise. Very good. Correct. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, yes. He he said, why why can't it be being Tom I mean, Cruise? that's the most logical choice, but I felt yeah. like Brad Pitt would actually be a better choice than Tom Cruise. Um, Maybe. I, I feel like if he was open to making fun of himself, I think Tom Cruise is actually the one that would be more interesting to satirize. Yeah. But he is the biggest Hollywood star of like... You know, yeah. past I mean, him, however long. Him and Brad Pitt are both like huge, huge stars, including in '99, like of like of where they're, you know, where they were in Hollywood. Um, he yeah. had just been famous for longer, and probably I think is it still friends with Charlie Sheen or was <laughs> at a certain point. That's a know? great point. That's a great point. Also, I think it's funnier to imagine Tom Cruise giving up acting to be a puppeteer. That is like very Brad Pitt. Funny. You're like, um, okay. Brad Pitt to me is more of a I think I prefer Brad Pitt as an actor. He seems like a more of a blank slate as a person, probably for the best. It's probably like I don't need people to be to know me to be up in my business and know me and that know much that I'm an alcoholic, better. and that's yeah. why Angelina had to divorce me. <laughs> exactly. Cut the exactly. chain, Jolie. Exactly. Well, with Tom Cruise, with, with if the movie was being Tom Cruise, then you of course have to have like some kind of he's doing action movies when he's like totally. and giving that up. It's like. It's interesting. I I mean, I can see it. it being John Malkovich is more interesting because it's so bizarre. It's such a bizarre, bizarre person to choose that of all people. But that's why, that's why it's great. It's because of all people. It, John Malkovich. When it's been happening for years that he this guy has been going to these portals. So like every time he goes in on the 44th birthday, then it redoes whatever and becomes a portal to a new person and for all people to it to be being, being john malkovich but what a it's so funny to imagine yeah he has like the whole malkovich timeline as a like these pictures of him as a kid of to follow this like life and being like oh i think this guy is our most famous guy yet that i'm gonna jump into he's not a doctor but he is a celebrity he is a celebrity also in 1999 tom cruise had a big year he had eyes wide shut Oh. Stanley Kubrick's last film. Oh, yeah. And Magnolia, which got him his uh, third and, as of now, last Oscar nomination, which he is good at. And, but more to the point, that's also a great film, Magnolia. It is really good. Um, I've only seen that This is also once, but... a great film. But, you know, it's it's not like he was doing whatever flop. He, he was like, he had a fine year. He didn't need to be doing being Tom but Cruise. But Magnolia, isn't he like a, a motivational speaker? Yeah, like a super misogynistic yes. motivational speaker. So I speaker. feel like that actually is a really good like use of his. like tame her, I think it's like their. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, real men's rights activist kind yeah. of Yeah. It's energy. a good use of that energy. It really is. Whereas, like, 
obviously like the picture would change the picture would change a lot depending yeah. on who you put in it but having someone like malkovich fits this like esoteric what we now know of to course. be a charlie kaufman film right really well yeah because before this you're like there was no charlie kaufman film you couldn't use that all of his films it feels like it's a charlie kaufman like how else do you describe it although part of me watching it because what the thing that i love not most about the film but what i think helps it so much is the score of like it's so, oh, so like melancholy and so like in a way that like if you had a bit more of a dope 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 dope, dope score you're like pep in the stuff then this is like a ter- you you there's a way to make this movie uh, a, a terrifying sex farce <laughs> oh 100 percent. yeah it's a real zany zippy like yikes yes but like that beautiful like set like sad piano that coffin that will appear in coffin's films really make helps you to be like no no no. we're also this is a dramedy it's not and just the, a comedy the score is telling us what's happening more than the dialogue absolutely Absol- that's what As, i'm saying at least internally for the yeah the, 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 i mean they're just playing it straight and then the score is what helps you be like it either Root gooses it, it closer yeah. to comedy or it helps you be like oh no this is like all these people are so miserable and sad. So it's also what you get after out of going being inside someone else is that you don't have to be yourself, which is something that it doesn't like hammer home, but I think is definitely a part of it in Absolutely. terms of yeah. Um, but watching it, I was like, I could also totally see this movie being directed by Terry Gilliam. Uh huh. Uh huh. Which is so different, and I think would be tipped a bit too much into the like absurdist comedy for sure, and not That's the like also seriousness. Just where he lives. Yes, true. But it did make me also want to see Charlie Kaufman's version of Brazil. <laughs> And the other person that I was like could see directing this would be Tim Burton. Oh, and very. It depends. But, also, are we talking early Tim Burton? Or are we talking today? No, no, no. We're talking ninety nine Tim Burton. But actually, the thing is, it wouldn't have worked at ninety nine. It'd have to have been earlier. But if he was to have this idea, it would star Johnny Depp going inside the head of Vincent Price. <laughs> oh, yes, that it I'm sure Tim Burton would. was like. Oh, if only I could have done this movie, but. Inside Vincent Price's head. Who am I thinking? Yes, inside Martin. Being Martin Landau. Ooh. You know? Landau. Landau, Landau, Landau. Landau, Landau. Just Martin Landau in a dress on top of a piano. He's also someone that was very well known in a particular time who also is so singular looking. I mean, that's kind of great to have yes like a, a much older like character dick actor. van dyke being dick van dyke well oh. we'll get into it but he's one of my picks of who i would have had for dr lester oh. as a as a potential what are you a genius um, I, you know what yes yes i am <laughs> <laughs> thank you for noticing well oh, oh, oh shucks thanks for noticing um but i think malkovich is the perfect person there, there's so many i i would love to see this concept played out like i don't know whatever like a, a, a tv series where every season it's a different person's head Ooh. i would kind of love it's like a version of extras but each version was like not if not ricky gervais like someone else but each each episode is them going inside like quantum leaping into another actor's mm. head so mm. every episode is a different actor satirizing themselves charlie kaufman i know you're listening what are you doing <laughs> let's get on it uh, call our agents whoa wait we're the agents <laughs> Yes. Tweet at us <laughs> and tell us all about your plans, Seacoff, Cough, Cough Man, Co- uh, Charlie the Cough Man. Nailed it. Charlie the Cough Man. That feels like me with allergies, but with sneezing instead of coughing. Cough syrup. Hey, cough like syrup. Oh, cough syrup. Um, so, yeah, those are all the characters that I found other casting options for, but there are a few major characters we didn't mention. There are? There are, where the actors who were cast were the only ones up for the role, as far as I could tell. So, we gotta touch on them as well. We gotta, it's gotta be done. I Especially because one has been talked about on the pod a lot. I know, the top bill 
billed John Cusack as Craig. Wait, he was billed above Malkovich? Schwartz. Yes. It the the po- I mean, I know that he is like the lead, but it's also kind of Well, yes. The poster the poster oh, wait, that's right. he's and John Malkovich. The poster right. is John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, and Catherine Keener. Because Looking they don't, they don't the- mention it because it's also it's there in the title. You're right. You're and right. it also makes you more like, wait, what is this? Be John Malkovich? Is that's John Malkovich fair. in this movie? What is this? Um but yeah, he is not. I, th- I think, like, in the actual proper credits, he's either fourth build or maybe even fifth build after but Orson Welles after Lester. Yeah, which he, totally He gets the hammer. Sense. He gets the and John Malkovich. The hammer. John the hammer. John Horatio Malkovich. The hammer Malkovich. <laughs> um, yeah, so what do you think of John Cusack in this role? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Now, listeners to previous eps are going to be shocked by this news. But I think he's excellent in this film. Yeah. Partially helped by, as I said, with Cameron Diaz excellent hair and makeup he looks so excellent gross. so gross in this film um direction and excellent yeah. writing and i think it's just a good melding of the actor and character because 100%. his like anger and frustration that like he, some people love in his 80s like comedies of like uh uh say anything and like stuff like that. other stuff better off dead where he's like snarky and he's just like well high fidelity it's like oh well why oh, won't sure. you just love me and in this it's like but well, what if you pick that it's kind of like adam sandler and punch drunk love where he's pretty much doing the same thing he does in idiotic comedies but when you put it in the real world you're like you are a dangerous it's, unhinged yeah, individual and in that one you're like a more sympathetic but in this you're like oh no if you just take this and take out the viewer like we we're supposed to like you you are a terrifying yeah. i mean he is like he's forcing scary. a gun into his wife's face to tell her to tell maxine that's like set up a date so he can more or less rape her. Yes. Is, 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 then you're getting to like you're getting into some strange territory in terms of like why yes you are. Yeah. <laughs> why yes you are. I mean regardless John Malkovich is kind of being raped because his you know everyone is using yeah, his brain. Yeah, yeah, it, on multiple levels and there's a lot of, you know, you get into like you're talking about up top there's a lot of questions about identity and also like you know um what's the word I'm looking for disclosure, you yeah, know, yeah. and and oof, yeah, it's it's really complicated in a way that's I think one of the things that makes this film exciting. Yeah. Um, so I think he's quite good, but part of it is a very smart usage of him. So I, I yeah. one of the reasons I also dislike him in a lot of other films is because he's just kind of like cocky and, in my opinion, with no reason to be. Yeah. Whereas this kind of bitter, just turn in early 40s, you know, that I know different versions of this kind of person you know i mean we we all we all have experienced disillusion and disappointment but when you map that onto someone who is legitimately quite good at something and feels as though he's owed something because he's good at it and then like put him in a situation that is as bizarre as this and then it makes him go into like a very extreme direction it yields very interesting results when it's followed through to its like most extreme conclusion i agree which i think is why i like him in this yeah, I totally agree. And because, like, they do, like, the bare minimum in the beginning for you to, like, not completely outright hate him. Like, if if Lottie was, like, this super supportive, sympathetic, like, a, whatever, a quote-unquote, like, bombshell housewife, and he's yeah. still like, oh, my wife is nagging me to get a job that's not puppetry. But because their house is overrun with animals. It is terrifying. And must smell disgusting. Must like, you at least understand, like, well, I don't like how he is immediately trying to sleep with this other woman and cheat on his wife but at least i can i don't want to live in this animal apartment 
I don't want to live in Animal House. Question, where in the city are they? Like, it's a big place. I think it's the basement, which is never a more mm. desirable place to live in I a New York City yeah. apartment because of uh, mice and rats. But then would you notice there? Or yeah. would the cats take care of that? You know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, um... I have a lot of very bananas options. Okay, I went great. a lot of different directions because I do think one of the things that makes a man like this kind of terrifying is the fact that I could cast a bunch of different people in this role and it would still work. Totally. Because there are so yeah. many people who feel yeah. and act like this. I know. Re- real quick before, before yeah. you say those, because I'd forgotten so much of this film. I forgot that this was like uh, he's the movie's villain. Oh, yeah. Which is like they kind of do a bait and switch where you're like, you start with him and then you like. Yeah, they sure do. Yeah. Um, so here are my notes on the film just about this character. Is Craig meant to be so obnoxious? This is like two minutes into the film. Uh-huh. John Cusack looks like he's cosplaying as John Lennon. <laughs> Craig is a scumbag. Craig is Woody Allen. The way this movie starts, I'm surprised he doesn't use Malkovich's body to go on a killing spree to murder a bunch of women. Oh, my gosh. And then Craig is the most disgusting protagonist. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, so that's that was my train mm-hmm. of thought as the film continued on. Mm-hmm. Other is totally a version of this movie where someone gets into it, someone else's head and uses them to commit murders. Oh, for um, sure. And if it's a famous person, that's that much more like John Malkovich is playing himself as an unwilling murderer. I do have at one point written, this is dark. <laughs> uh, newsflash. Just a bit. Earth to Jackson. Um, I'm looking over these notes and some of them are amusing me. Uh, One, I have written, ah, the contemporary lonely goat herd, (laughs) which is, of course, a classic scene in The Sound of Music, uh, where they're using marionettes. It's a lot more chipper than the dance of death and despair. And then I also had forgotten about that reference to like, also in this world, puppetry is somehow a little, a lot more important than it is. They've got the guy on TV doing the Bell of Amherst with like an 18 foot tall Emily Dickinson. The Bell of Amherst, Amherst is like a solo radio show that sometimes people do live that no one ever wants to see. Well, that just seems like an art installation. That it's like no one actually yes, but cares. It's about so it. They just care that it's a funny. massive puppet. Of course, of course, of course. That's so funny to me. Because it's like, the of all things, the Bell yeah. of Amherst. So funny. Okay, so here are a bunch of Hit very different thoughts. Some which them. would have happened in 99 potentially and some that would not. Yeah. But, you know. Sure. Um, Edward Norton. I was thinking him too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a great use, again, of all the things that yeah. are like kind of scary about Edward Norton, plug him right in. And also someone in the first half hour, you're getting like the, uh, you're feeling sympathetic yes. for him in the first half hour. And because you're like, like it's, you're, it's like the same year as Fight Club, I think, where you're like, oh, you're like. That's actually very similar kind of like. and like, yeah. you know, downtrodden. What a transformation. And a sad puppeteer. And yeah. Like, yeah. I then have Ethan Hawke. Oh, okay. Especially yeah, in like yeah, the yeah. '90s, Ethan Hawke, I sure. think, actually would have been a really uh, cool choice. Yeah. Um, Joan Cusack, because I love acting, <laughs> and I was like, "Give me that." Of course, being Joan sure. Cusack. Um, but you know, in this part, and then this is my wildest choice. But oh man, and it definitely skews more toward comedy. Mm-hmm. But Jason Manzukis. No, I'm sorry. No. I want being Jason Manzukis. I want them to go into Manzukis's head <laughs> where they're like, are we in a person's head or are we in like a Labrador retriever? Like, oh no, this is a this is just a, man, a maniac person. 
regardless, I want him in this film, and I sure. think we're owed it. Of course. And then yeah. it would be, you know, Paul Shear as Craig and, uh, and, and June. June Diane Raphael as... I mean, as, uh, June's actually pretty good for Maxine, for the Catherine Keener role. Yeah, that's that's pretty great. on brand for, for June. Have her play them both, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, um, Of course, we're ta- if you're not familiar, we're talking about the, the three main hosts of uh, How Did This Get Made? We've and also, also done many... amazing hey, actor. They act all the time. But You've in terms of, several like, of them why them... those three like, people? Jason Manzoukas is uh, on The Good Place as Derek. Uh, oh, yeah. Good uh, Place, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, He's, yeah, he's yeah. in oh, so, yeah, yeah. so many things. Yeah. I mean, they were all on the league. Um, they were all fantastic. Like, anyway, I, I love that. I, I, lo- I love it. I love it. I would love to see the straight comedy version with Jason Manzoukas. Um, Just playing bananas. Playing so many of the roles. I was thinking, because it's so funny that you mentioned him earlier. You just brought him up earlier. Because um, John Cusack also looks so much like Tommy Wiseau. So I could also <laughs> see Tommy Wiseau doing this, where then he's going into the brain of, uh... of who he, the actor that he named uh, Mark the character in the room after Matt Damon. Oh, oh. <laughs> he thought his name was Mark Damon. So that's no, why he, he named the character Mark. Um, but that's who he was a big admirer of Mark Damon. He was such an admirer. He really <laughs> nailed down even the name, you know? I think, well, I think, I forget because I haven't read The Disaster Artist in a while, but I think it's because of Talented Mr. Ripley. And that's why Greg Sestero was like, oh God, is this like Talented Mr. Ripley? Is he going to murder me on a boat? Likely. Um, <laughs> uh, but him. Who I could see, I mean, I guess that now, but like more then when he was, if not less problematic, we knew less problems. Right. Joaquin Phoenix, oh, I could for so sure. see as oh. forlorn puppeteer. Late Might as well 90s, put that. Joaquin Phoenix is a perfect choice. Absolutely. And today, I could also see. I mean, I think it works very well having this character as a white cis dude. Mm, yes. Um, but I could also see if it made today. I could see Lakeith Stanfield, um, because he's yes. got a little slight manic unhinged quality that he sometimes brings out um he's also someone who like as we know from get out like can do such i mean tremendous acting with his eyes true that it's just like you can you can really like have have these lines and an undercurrent of something else running underneath it like really easily yeah and i'm like that i'm especially thinking of him in sorry to bother you where he's just like oh like which also is a very similar like absurd like fantasy comedy premise of like mm-hmm. we can use a quote-unquote white voice in these telemarketing sales and then his vo- then he's voiced by david cross whenever he's on the phone wow <laughs> which is pretty i think Patton oswald is maybe danny glover's voice in it for like on the phone um or, or he's, he's someone's voice um but like but as like he's in this absurd situation where he's like normally he that character would be your center of focus that would be your straight man as all the crazy stuff is happening around right. that you know and instead in in this in bj malkovich and also in sorry to bother you he's like gets swept up along with the craziness until you're like in some ways you're like it's kind of hard like who are we hanging on to sure um but in others it's like this is a ride that we normally do not take with a movie and it's full like very visionary. They're both very visionary. Boots Riley for Sorry to Bother You for and sure. Charlie yeah. Kaufman and Spike Jones with this. Um, but he's the other person that came to mind. So Cusack read the film script after he had asked his agent to present him with the, quote, craziest, most unproducible script you can find. Impressed with the script, he asked his agent to follow its progress and book him an audition, which won him the role. Because I'm sure he was the first person in line that was like... A fancy John, John Cusack has been following your script for the That's three years wild. it's taking you to get it made. He wants in. That you're like, uh, he's a big enough name and we can play on that persona. Uh, he checks these boxes. Like, yeah. Sure. Especially if you've got like, okay, we already got John Cusack. That makes it easier to like, let's get John Malkovich. Let's get John Malkovich to sign on if you're like, oh, okay. oh my old buddy Johnny Cusack. Okay. From when we All played. Right opposite one another very briefly in con air when he hunted me down vince larkin and his birkenstocks 
I like how much he hated making that film, similar to myself. We, we can bond. both bonded over our mutual despair. And then we have that. I think then we have that one scene in the movie, right? After yeah, they I mean, both well, land on the like, Jersey Turnpike. Yeah, Larkin when he gets is like wa- the New Jersey whopped, Turnpike. <laughs> whopped in the head with that can. Oh, I thought you were talking about Con Air. Oh no, no. Well, um, I mean, in Con Air, I think once again they only have like one right, scene at the very exactly. end. Exactly. Yeah. When he's like, no. I'm gonna blow you up. I'm gonna blow you up. Cyrus the virus. And it's here. I'm like, chop, chop, I'm chop. going. I'll see you in court. <laughs> uh, Cusack took some marionette puppeteering lessons in order to prepare for the film, which yeah, and also the name Craig Schwartz is very specifically chosen because it's a combined reference to Edward Gordon Craig and Bruce Schwartz. Schwartz is an accomplished American puppeteer, while Craig was a turn-of-the-century theater artist who suggested that actors should be viewed as no more important than marionettes. Wow. Isn't that great? Charlie Kaufman thought about things. Cough syrup, you crazy SOB. Crazy cough syrup. <laughs> Yo, crazy cough syrup. Um, let's uh, move on to Dr. Lester, uh, played by Orson Bean. If I was 80 years younger, I'd box your ears. 80 years younger really got me good. <laughs> Which is such a great absurdist line. And then you realize that he's hundreds of years old. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, okay, that's why. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, what, what would you think? He's wonderful. He's, he's so, so funny. And he also like, you feel like he's somehow still in the style of the uh, introduction, like orientation video. Like, Agreed. He came from that world. Yeah. He's so, because, especially because like on the page, he's got so many like, he's just a horny, horny old man. So that he's just like such a sweet, charming little grandpa type. So funny. Really helps. It's a real Betty White type thing. That Abs- they do with it's him. so Betty White. In fact, Great choice. Betty White, Betty White as, as Dr. Dr. Lester. Lester. Come on. Oh, I wish I could take him between my thighs. Ex- exactly. Feel his soft, supple body. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but yeah, like who, any other, any other thoughts? Yes, I had two thoughts of two <laughs> beloved character actors uh, of stage and screen, but like I've one more known for stage. And the first one is John Cullum. Yes. Who uh, was... Uh, Caldwell be Cladwell in Urine Town, which is like what I've most known him for and seen him in a couple of other things. Yes, on, on Broadway. On Broadway. Uh, he did so much me. Broadway. And he'll pop up. He's just, he's in, he's in the very first episode of Mad Men. He's the guy that runs that cigarette company. Oh my goodness. It's That's like, right, because you how, watch how do you, make those, cig- how do you make those cigarettes? He's like, we we toast them. It's like, oh, he's that guy. That guy? That's John Cullum. That's John Cullum. And then my other choice was John McMartin, who is another oh, beloved oh, character. John McMartin. John McMartin. He is one of those people that you will just see guesting on every single 80s and 90s tv show i last saw him on stage in anything goes oh wow he was so funny (sighs) like they have this they rewrote a lot of the book not enough of it but plenty of it and the the first scene was between him and sutton foster who's like she's on bunheads and younger for the television (laughs) folk um but she's also like one ton of tony right right but anyway the two of them together he's just so screamingly funny oh yeah and just like it's exactly the right kind of note of like well i'm kind of from another area and i'm just here to say something kind of matter of fact and it's hilarious absolutely absolutely i love this guy orson bean because He's not well known. That's also really works. So even though you have the scene of Cameron Diaz being like, uh, there's a shrine to Malkovich in this random room, you log that information away, but you're not like, 
Okay, when now... When are we getting back to the famous you, character Exactly, actor? when you've got, I don't know, Malcolm McDowell. Well, he's also far too terrifying in that, that role. But, like, any... Even, like, Dick Van Dyke. You're like, oh, you have Dick if Van Dyke? If it was Dick Van Dyke, we're you're waiting. waiting for Dick Van Dyke to reappear. It's like, clearly he's got more to do. Whereas this guy, you could just be like, oh, maybe everyone's just obsessed with Malkovich. Like, you know there must be something more, but you're yeah. not, like, waiting for him to come back. That's a great um, point. Because uh, actor Orson Bean had been working on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Oh, my gosh. Filmed in Texas. 145 episodes. Well, a, a yeah. gig's a gig. That sure is, but from 93 to 98. Uh, but has been featured in such films as Anatomy of a Murder, oh. as Dr. Matthew Smith. He was the voice of Bilbo Baggins in the 70s animated Hobbit film. Oh, my gosh. And Amy Jo might recognize him. Uh-oh. From two episodes of a little show called Murder, She Wrote. Now tell me which episode say, it sounds like it's a two-parter. Well, no, two separate. One in season two, one in season six as Ebenezer McEnery. Season two, episode 14's episode, Keep the Home Fries Burning. Oh. And season six, episode 11, Town Father. I don't know if either of those. He's, I've also got a, those the are, synopses. Those are both Cabot Cove episodes. Mm-hmm. Um for those of you not familiar with Murder, She Wrote, she also then eventually gets successful enough she has an apartment in Manhattan that she'll go into them. There's several seasons in New York and then she travels a lot. But those she are both it all. Cabot Cove, Maine. Yeah, she solves mysteries. Maybe she kills people. You know, jury's still out. She probably kills people. She probably kills people. But, um... <laughs> Uh, so he's a he's a denizen of because those are yeah. both. I mean, um, his name is Ebenezer. That's a pretty distinct. It's me, Ebenezer. Name. Ebenezer with my Downish New England accent. Well, I'm gonna have to rewatch Keep the Home Fries Burning because if it's the episode, I think it's it's great. But I need to have pie because um, it's if it's the one I'm thinking, it's set in a diner. Yes, this is uh, there's a new restaurant in Cabot Cove at the Joshua Peabody Inn. And oh my it's gosh, this is the one that's quite themed, popular with the locals. This is like Revolutionary War themed. Oh, that makes sense. Keep yeah. the home, like keep the home fires burning. Yes, and, but yeah. but someone gets poisoned with their famous, uh, like a, like a not the marmalade, but like a jam. You know, that it's old a famous. Whole oh, thing. the poison jam. Well, that's how you get them. You mm. know, mm. I want the sure. good jam. You want that good jam. Um, but yeah, so they had trouble casting this role. They had trouble finding the right Doctor Lester until a producer saw Orson Bean as a guest on the Late Late Show with Tom Snyder and requested an audition. Wow. Yeah. You just never know. I know. Because the other people, they're all too big, but the other people that I like where you're like, you can have them being just horny old men and you're kind of like, well, that's okay because it's James Earl Jones. Yes. Or, as I said, Dick Van Dyke. Or Peter Falk. Peter or Falk. Or Angela Lansbury. Well, I'd be who, down for I mean, that. Come on. It's uh, me, Dr. Lester. And I have a plan. I, I, I came into John Malkovich's head as soon as I could. <laughs> I arrived as soon as I heard there was a portal of John Malkovich's head. Uh, or you have James Earl Jones where it's like, okay, all my friends coming in. Now, s- stay away from the medulla oblongata. That, that's the elephant graveyard of John Malkovich's head. <laughs> Any, anywhere that the synapse, the, the eye synapses touch is, is our home, is our land. You're really, uh, really making that seamless transition there. <laughs> Moving right on. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's uh, d- buried into the ground. Um, let's go on to our final person, Maxine Lund. What do you th- what you think of that Catherine Keener? You think she's got a career ahead of her? I think, you know, maybe with a little more training, mm, uh, she mm, could mm. really do something yeah. interesting. I think this was my introduction to Catherine Keener. I think it was that most people's, like, yeah. main introduction to her. But I hadn't seen it in so long. She's so outrageously good <sighs> in this. She's just, she also is just, like, merciless yeah but yeah completely I still unapologetic like, completely but that i think is partially why i like 
I'm like on her side. Cause also like from the very first moment she has John Cusack's number. And I do yeah. think that's one of the reasons why we do side with her is cause like, come on guy. Like, it's not like, Oh, she's not like being nice to this like poor guy. It's like, this guy's a drip. She is not charmed by him whatsoever. One bit because she shouldn't be. No. And Oh man. She just like is so funny and so sharp and so good in yeah. every frame. And you're like, wow, here is someone who like, is not afraid to like, just like run straight down the line and, and not like, yeah, try to make the audience like them. And because of that, I think we like her more. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% agree. And as we were talking before with Cusack and Cameron Diaz, her costumes, I mean, that all white, like with the black hair, basic instinct mm. look, uh, so sharply dressed. Great. You're like, who's this person? I love that we never learn what she actually does. Yes. She doesn't work at the same company he does. They never established yet where she works in just the building. Just down the hall. Yeah. Just this you know. opportunist of like, now we're going to start JM Inc. It's great. Old John Malkovich Incorporated. Um, so uh, do you have some other thoughts on who I you I have a couple cast, thoughts. If you had to. One, I've mentioned this person before because as a chameleon, <laughs> she can play anything. And that's Tony Collette. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Also just like, you know. I can see really yeah. playing this like very totally. full tilt boogie and yeah. like unapologetically. My other thought um, is Rachel Weiss. Love it. Who of course is so good in yes. everything. And once I thought of her, Ooh. it reminded me that she originated Evelyn in the shape of things, yeah. which is by no means the same character, but has a similar kind of severity and unapologetic. Like this yeah. is who I am and what I do. And uh, mm. if you like it, great. And if not, that's not my problem. Very true. Although you sang Rachel Weiss for Maxine, then makes me want as Lottie Olivia Coleman. Well, because she is <laughs> God's gift to acting. Oh, uh, her favorite, co her, the favorite co-star. Um, I see. I thought you were going to say when you said I've said this person before because you would need someone else's John Cusack, but for Maxine, I could also see John Cusack. But, yeah, you would have to have someone else's John Cusack because well, <laughs> duh, 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 duh. Um, but just thinking of her in Adam's Family Values of like, She's no, she can so do great. va va voom, like Jelinski. Yeah, mm. she can do the like sex Bombshell, pot. She's not, yeah. not just a, like I'm crazy and frizzy haired. And, oh gosh, no. Yada yada yada. No, absolutely not. So and I, I always like when she's because she's so funny when you also are like no she can also be like uh, like uh, viewed as like an object of like romance and of sex and like whatever because sometimes i mean it's sometimes she her and other like funny women get pigeonholed in a way where like oh, they can't do they be. i'm six feet tall and i'm a comedian in many ways exactly yes. that's I played what i'm a saying lot of, i played a lot of villains with no love interest which is fine but there's a reason yeah. that a lot of older female character or and and because also like uh the oldest principal in this film was john malkovich who's born in 53 but she mm. was born in 59 and mm. then uh cusack 66 and diaz 72 mm. so she's like also i love that like she's like the object of desire of everyone and she's you know much older considerably older than cameron diaz yeah. you know yeah. i think there's something great about that but yeah there's like a certain thing of like women reach a certain age and it's like oh great now you're no longer dangerous because you have no sexual power because we totally. decided yeah. so um and the other person who if it was me today christina Hendricks. ah because I, when I, when I once i thought elizabeth olsen for uh not olsen elizabeth moss i was like I don't no. know what led nope. you to that. Nothing did. Yes. Nothing I did. I meant to say Elizabeth Moss. Once I thought Elizabeth Moss for Lottie, I was like, oh, her Mad Men co-star, Christina yes. Hendricks. Yes, Which also Maxine. because Christina Hendricks has this by no means like, is she like modeling herself after Marilyn Monroe? But she has a bit yeah. of like a higher pitch than like Catherine Keener, who's like yeah. got that lower voice. But it's like, there's something really delightful about like mm. the softness of touch with the vocals and the performance married with this like, 
<laughs> no kind totally. of energy sure. that, that Joan has. She, that she just. And by Joan, has. I mean Christina Hendricks. <laughs> yes, her character, Joan in Mad Men, not Joan Cusack. Gosh, no. Oh, gosh, no. Um, so Catherine Keener cited Being John Malkovich as an instance of her taking up a role based on the director's previous work. Because she'd heard about Jones's experience with music videos. That was like what he, com- commercials and music mm. videos was he, he'd been doing for years. So he also, which I, I think a lot of people, directors did, especially back in yeah. then, um, is like where you started and then like you kind of then got your, sh- sure. got your shot. Um, but that's what she, she decided to take part of Maxine based on that, though she initially disliked the character and did not feel that she was right for the part. She said, quote, I wasn't who I saw for the part of Maxine. She was sexy and bold, and I didn't really like her. And then she was subsequently nominated for an say, Oscar. And it got her an Oscar. <laughs> I know, which is great. Which I, love I love that sometimes he, the funny thing about being an actor, too, is like it is very important to know who you are and what your skill set is and what you can bring. But there's also just a certain amount that you just can't know about yourself or what you're capable of, because so often also you're being asked to do very similar things over and over. And so that's just like a really great example of sometimes just going like, all right, well, someone else can see it. Yeah. So I'm going to give it my all. And so it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're perfect. What I also like about her performance is that like you see her thinking the whole film. You see like her time. constantly being like, she's like a velociraptor. Yeah. But she's constantly like, wait, what? He's hitting on me. Oh, wait, she's hitting on me, too. It was like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Just, you're just, like, seeing, like, all... You see, like, the money signs mm-hmm. in her eyes. You see, like, when she actually is, like, oh, my God, like, actually, I'm actually, like, really into you, too, Cameron Diaz. Like, but only in John Malcolm. Like, she could just turn it on and off, on and, and off. she just makes decisions in a split second, but you see her make the decision. You it's that, always, like, it's very calculated, yeah. but it feels like the person's calculated, not the actor is calculating Absolutely. the performance, which is why it feels so vivid and, and present. 100%. Um, so I thought this was a good spot to mention this little, uh, fan conspiracy theory. Since the 2017 release of Get Out, fan theories have suggested that Get Out is a sequel to this oh film with Catherine Keener reprising her role 18 years later and Alison Williams playing the grown-up Emily. Jordan oh. Peele responded by saying that it was not his intention when he created Get Out, but he still likes the theory and has discussed it with Spike Jones, oh, uh, which I love, my gosh. which is great. It's so silly. So, so yeah, like, clearly, no, it's so, no, so different in so no many ways. Way. But you're all like, oh, but Catherine Keener, you are these two very different films that are about, like, taking over a person's identity, identity. And, and, like, putting them into a place where they have no control. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, uh, really which, I thought, which I thought was fun. Um, but yeah, the, those this film got three nominations. Supporting actress for Catherine Keener, writing for Charlie Kaufman, Duh. and direction for Spike Jones, but not Best Picture, which Roger Ebert said, like, if this film... He, he said it was the best film in 1999. And he said, if this film does not get nominated for Best Picture, the Academy voters need a portal in their heads. <laughs> and you know what? I think we've all learned to agree. They do! They do. Yeah. The, the nominees that year were American Beauty, which won. Sure. The Green Mile, The Insider, Cider House Rules, and The Sixth Sense. Now, look, I've seen most of these films, and but they're all like... Cider House Rules, I think, is the one that's the I most like. Uh, get it out of there. Really, I it's know. just so Oscar baity. Yes, I and agree. I enjoy. It. Did I yeah. cry when my high school self watched it? Of course, because Michael Caine is wonderful. But um, but did I like immediately go like? That's right, Toby Maguire. These are the rules of the, the Cider, Cider House. house. The Cider House right here, Toby Maguire. Who, who's the it woman rules. in that? Um, it's a good question. It's Toby Maguire, Paul. Brett. Oh, it's Charlie's. Charlize Theron. I was like, it's someone I know. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen this movie, but I'm like, oh, my 
you have as my mine, stupid like little Rolodex trap. of actors and films that there's no reason for me to know. Anyway, I say we we kick Cider House Rules out of its nomination yeah, spot and get being yeah. John Malkovich in it. I mean, if they were doing the like up to 10 nominees back then, oh, then it'd be a shoe in Because it's great. It's so, so good. So good. So yeah. Final thoughts on being John Malkovich. There are a few parts that are a little tricky because the way we have talked about transness and identity has changed. Yes. Similarly to how we were talking about some of the language in Tu Wong Fu. Yeah. Um, and I will also say, like, we, we were sort of touched upon Cameron Diaz chasing Catherine Keener through John Malkovich's mind with a gun in a very kind of like, if I can't have you, no one will kind of I think she, I think she, I think she literally, literally says, says that. like, if I can't have you, no one That's can. That's a moment where I went, well, this was written by a man. Like, that was just, I agree. that was a moment where I was like, I get it as a plot device, but you need to justify it a little bit It feels like a plot device. And the film was like under two hours. The thing is, I wish, I want, and maybe there is, because I, in my research, I couldn't find out, maybe a listener, maybe someone else knows, feel free to email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com, but like, is there a director's cut? Is there like a two and a half hour version of this movie? Because especially near the end, it feels like we make some sudden leaps once they're like eight months later. And you're like, oh, Cameron I mean, Diaz has just been hanging out with Dr. Yeah. Lester for eight months. I mean, it's pretty tight. So like in a lot of places, it feels like intentionally that way. But there are a few things that it's like, I feel like I could have used a little more info. But that's, um, you know, oh, and there's also a use of uh, a gay slur that I didn't of love. Course. And by didn't love, I mean, oh, we yeah. could excise that. Yeah. And we would all be the better for it. Um, which those were moments where I was like, oh, we are definitely watching a film made in the 90s. Mm. Um, but so much of the rest of it feels like so fresh and visionary that I think it's those kinds of things that really stick out particularly because you're totally. like, well, that is – this still feels like I, I'm not seeing movies like this made today. Not really. Not many, you yeah. know, um, that, that really make you go – Except for those few – like the, your Charlie Kaufmans and your Terry Gilliams and – or even like Get Out. Like Get yeah. Out has so many things true. that your brain is going like, excuse me? That's true. That's in true. In a really it, delightful it feels, way. Get Out to me just feels more ground. It's less uh, whimsical. Yes, absolutely. It's far less because it is a horror, which is how I kind of feel this new Cawthon movie is going to be. I'm, th- I'm thinking of ending things. is going to be more of that like. It's going to be exciting. You take, yeah, the quirkiness minus whimsy equals horror. <laughs> yes. A slightly less twee. <laughs> Type of thing. Well, you can watch it first and then tell me if I'm going to have a heart attack watching it. And then that will determine whether or not I watch it. I'll just have you watch the greatest hits of Tony Collette scenes. Because she looks so good in I it. I have not watched Hereditary and I never will, I don't think. Even oh, you though don't, I you love don't her because no, I just you don't I watch can't, it can't be done. You know what? When we're done recording, I'll, I'll have you watch the trailer and see what you think of I'm, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Might be enough. You also get David Thewlis. You love that. I Thu. love David. You love Thu. I love the Thu. Love that though. The the Thulinator. He'd have been a good uh, Craig Craig Schwartz as well. I mean, oh, he's not sure. not as well known, but he's I could see him with that energy. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I 100 agree with everything you just said. I'm so glad that we did because there were so few. I mean, if if you were counting at home, listener, there were only three characters and each had only one actor up for them so i was like is there enough to talk about for an episode and i was like are you kidding it's being john malkovich and i'm I'm looking at the time code of how long we've been talking and you know what there clearly was enough to talk about (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's so good yeah clearly it's still of course you're gonna have you have some stuff of the 1999 that clearly dates this film Mm -hmm. um that would be removed if it was made today but so much of it is so good and um is definitely still worth checking out um so or revisiting. Whip smart. If like me, you haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got two more things to end. Tell to me, end with tell for me the thoughts. tale, Jeff. First is a little story about that great scene where Malkovich gets 
hit in the head with that can. When he's yelling at John Q, he's like, I will see you in court. I think that's the third time I've done that this episode. And a guy driving by goes, uh, I think he's like, hey, Malcolm, Malcolm, think fast. And hits him with the can. And Malcolm has that great, like, ah. <laughs> so there are two conflicting stories about this scene. Spike Jones said in the commentary that it wasn't in the script and that some of the extras had snuck beer onto the set and it gotten pretty lit. And fortunately, it wasn't the driver, just the passenger. But he improvised, because driving again and again, it was like late at night, and then he was drunk. So he, imp- he threw the beer can and improvised the line, hey, Malkovich, think fast. And because Malkovich's reaction was so funny, they kept it in, which meant they had to give this extra his SAG card because he now had a line in the film. Uh-huh. And they had to bump his pay from $100 to $700 for the day. Oh, But Malkovich, he's got his own side of the story. He said, quote, on the contrary, Spike Jones wanted to cut it because we were late that night and he felt no one would be able to hit me on the head with a half full can of beer from a passing car. <laughs> and about 70 or 80 sets of hands shot up on the crew saying they would <laughs> like to try. Eventually, the task fell, don't know why he was on set, to Johnny Cusack's writing partner and he nailed it on the first try. So I don't I'm like, wait. Does John Those Cusack, are very different stories. Right, those are very different stories. And I'm like, does Malkovich, I, I don't know which is the right one. I don't know if Spike Jones is just having some fun or if Malkovich is like, I'm embarrassed that some rando hit me in the head and now got $700 out of it. So I'm like, no, that was in the script of the whole time. But he, he says not just a random extra. He says John Cusack, or as he calls him, Johnny Cusack's Johnny, old writing Johnny partner. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know which is the real story. But those two conflicting stories for about one of the, to me, one of the funniest moments of the film because hey, it's Malkovich. so random think fast. hey malkovich think fast so funny and finally uh charlie kaufman and spike jones decided not to explain the movie like in interviews or whatever and while they agreed to this malkovich had his own guess and shared it with the press he said quote i think it's about acting opening the door into the mind of someone else and how escaping your own mind for 15 minutes you see the beauty and fascination and eroticism even in the most boring things I think it's about the need to escape yourself for 15 minutes that everyone feels. But what it's really about is something more sinister. It's the idea that we now lead virtual lives. We live our joys and sorrows and foibles through the lives of public people. It's about the end of art because art has to take its cue from life. Well, he must love social media then. (laughs) That's right. Please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. John Malkovich performs exclamation point i do monologues on command i would like and subscribe so fast oh yeah doy in our episode of Tu Wong Fu, uh, we mentioned a drag queen named Chi-Chi Devane. And I just wanted to take a moment because uh, she recently passed away at the age of 34 from pneumonia. And um, it just felt wrong to not mark the occasion at all. Uh, she was born Xavion Davenport in Shreveport, Louisiana. And um, was a really remarkable queen. Uh, season 8 of RuPaul's Drag Race also went on to be on a season of All Stars. And I really recommend you checking out any of her performances on YouTube or on Drag Race itself. Just a really charming, charming presence uh, and a really beautiful story. And... Um, it's really, really sad that she's gone. So I just wanted to take a moment to recognize her and uh, to say, we love you, Chi-Chi. Amy Chow. Jeffrey. What are you recommending this week? Well, I realized 
that there was something that many people who know me personally would know that I'm very fond of, mm -hmm. but might, um, you know, might not know if we're not close personal friends. So I would like you to know that my brother, comedian Aaron Jackson, <gasps> yes. has written a gosh darn novel. He sure did. It's called The Astonishing Life of August March. It's so good. And it came out in April, unfortunately, in the middle of the pandemic. Um, So like, you know, it's uh, it's very easy to order from an independent bookstore, perhaps a black-owned bookstore online. Um, and uh, it's so charming. It will really lift your spirits and um, pay a, a young homosexual who writes well. You know, like, give give money where yes, you should give money. Yes, it is money. a super charming, whimsical, like, coming-of-age story of a, a child literally born in the theater in a dressing room, like, in between acts. And, uh, it's like the jumping-off point. And... I feel like if you're someone who likes being John Malkovich, it's not trippy like that, but it is whimsical. Totally. It is outlandish. Aaron describes it as a tall tale in mm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very funny. And also like Aaron and I both loved Charlie Kaufman movies in high school and like watched this a lot. So it feels like an appropriate recommendation for this film. Love it. Again, it's called The Astonishing Life of August March. It's published by HarperCollins. You can request it from the library even, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, I hope you read and enjoy my brother's book and that it brings you some some pleasure and delight during these times. Uh, Jeff. Uh, Amy Jo. What are you recommending this uh, week? I'm sorry. Uh, Amy Joan Jackson. Amy Joan Malkovich. <laughs> Amy Joan Malkovich. Finally. Amy finally. Joan Cusack. <laughs> Look, draw whatever conclusions you need to. Here's what I'm recommending this week. <laughs> Uh, I want to recommend the podcast Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood, hosted by Jonathan Braylock, Gerard Milligan, and James III. Each week, they take a film with a leading actor of color and review and analyze it in the context of Hollywood's race and diversity issues. And the three of them are so smart, but also so funny. So funny. All three of them are on the Netflix sketch show Astronomy Club, which Amy Jo recommended a few episodes ago. I don't remember which episode off the top of my head. Uh, and they're incredibly talented and insightful, but also it's like, it's very smart, but you're 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 laughing so much. Uh, they're so good together and so funny. Um, so check out once again, it's Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood, which you can listen to pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this, you could listen to that there too. <laughs> yes, you can. And that's what we're recommending this week. Da -da -da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. You can find us on Instagram at andalmoststarring. And Facebook at andalmoststarring. And if you're feeling so inclined, feel free to drop by iTunes and leave a little rating and review if you're enjoying the podcast. I'd like that little rating to be five big stars, please. And maybe say something like, gosh comma what a couple of nuts exclamation point they're great aren't they question mark anyway and 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 then and then you should do like the little uh the little dash and then john malkovich as if as if john malkovich oh, is the one yes. writing the review in the woods so if you, yes, john if you, horatio malkovich if you want to write us a review act as if you're john horatio malkovich much really really up our cred yeah people be like wow 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 i gotta listen to this pod because renowned actor john malkovich <laughs> is listening to it and i get all of my podcast recommends from, from john, john horatio, horatio malkovich, malkovich. Until next time, I'm Jeff Roden. I am, of course, Amy, Amy Joan, Joan Malkovich. Malkovich. I got it. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.